When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back in, everybody, to America's Game, episode number 29. I am your host, Eric Vanek. You can find me on Twitter, at Eric Vanek NFL. And once again, joined by my co-host, Scott Connor. Scott, what's going on, man? Eric, it's another week. My Bengals are in the AFC Championship for a second straight season, so that is going to be hopefully an exciting game on Sunday. I've been just eating up the content, listening to all the breakdowns and everything this week. So exciting time for me at least. And uh, yeah, happy to be back for another America's game episode. And this should be a fun one. We're going to do anybody that's consumed content has probably heard a lot of mock draft exercises already. Uh, Wake up has done a couple other places I've listened to their shows, they've already done rookie mocks and just trying to project what things are going to look like. We don't have a lot of information yet, but I think what we're going to do tonight should be interesting and applicable and different all at the same time. So glad to be here. Episode 29. Yeah, should be pretty fun as usual. Uh, yeah, the Bengals, man. Uh, they just really beat up on the Bills. It was, they were pretty much in control that entire game. So that was pretty nice to see. Um, Burrow is just ice man, the ice man out there, man. He's just nobody can mess with Joe Burrow right now. He's doing pretty good. The offensive line was really good in that game. Um, I wonder if the snow had a little bit to do with that. Um, but yeah, here they are. They're in the playing the Chiefs again in Kansas City. Should be another good game. Do you think it's um, interesting that they're uh, a road favorite? You know, here in the championship game, I thought that was a little interesting. Even with Mahomes' injury, I get that's why, but... It, it's interesting, except for the line, I believe, is now Kansas City favored by a point and a half. So it has moved big time in three days. It's moved almost four and a half points, I believe. Yeah, that's so, Mahomes' videos and stuff coming out. Exactly. It's like literally they show him walking off the podium and like jogging in practice, and it's he's fine. His ankle's not injured at all. So it's probably somewhere in between. Like, he's probably not 100%, but he's also not, like, in danger of missing the game like people talked about early in the weekend. So we'll see. I think they're probably just preparing for him to be 100%, but I do think there's... I'm most interested in what 
Anarumo does to, I don't even want to say limit Mahomes, but force Mahomes to maybe have to beat the ankle injury too. You know, it's not just beating the team, but also uh, they're hopefully not going to let him win without having to fight through the ankle injury at some time. So like maybe make him hold the ball longer, you know, don't rush him at all. Try to drop back eight more so than they have in the past. Cause I know they've done that a lot, but like last week against Buffalo, they had multiple times where, you know, they brought an extra corner or they brought two extra rushers uh, in the snow and it worked. So it, that'll be fascinating to see, but I'm just excited for the game. Yeah. I'm almost kind of thinking of it as, yeah, just rush four and let him run. If he wants to run on that ankle, go ahead, run on it. And then we're going to hammer you when you go and run on it. So I could see that for sure. And I also think I would just focus on Kelsey. Like, I think let somebody else beat you on that team. If I could double-team Kelsey almost every play, I think I would too. Yeah, it's funny. That's um, one of the most probably underrated injuries that the Bengals are facing is uh, Trey Flowers, who is the one that played Kelsey really tough last year. Like he's basically like a big linebacker, but he's a corner. But his specialty is just playing tight ends one on one, and he's the one that matched up with Kelsey. I think like eleven snaps last year in the championship, and he actually did pretty good on him. I mean, relatively speaking, you know, you're not going to shut him down, but you know, he can't have a game where he goes, you know, ten for one twenty. You know, like that. That's probably when that the other guys are going to be able to get open too. So it'll be big if he can play. I know he's uh, he's been practicing, so that will be big. He did not play last week, and Dawson Knox had a couple big plays because of it. Yeah, I'm interested in that because Kelsey had like 14 catches last week, but it was only like 95 yards. If he's going to do that, I'm fine with limiting Kelsey to under 100 yards. I think if if the Bengals can do that, that's that would be huge for them. It's just in, obviously in the red zone, he's going to have to be top priority in the red zone. Let somebody else on that team beat you in the red zone pretty much for me. Yeah, I think this is going to be the first game too if McCall Hardman can play. I think it's the first game the Chiefs have had everybody healthy since Kadarius Tony joined the team. So that's another thing to watch. They didn't have Kadarius Tony the last time they played. Uh, so that was one of those like kind of wild card weapons that you figure if the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl, they're going to need another guy besides Kelsey to have a big game, whether it's McKinnon or Tony or Juju or MVS hits a long play. Like they're going to need somebody else that makes a massive play because the Bengals have four or five guys that can make big plays, you know, like, it's not just Chase. Like they, they have very a lot of balance at all levels. You know, even Trenton Irwin, Samaj P. Ryan being your number six and number seven options is pretty strong. So yeah, I'm excited. I, I'm actually kind of glad that's the second game because I can sit down and watch the first game and enjoy it as well for what it is, because it's totally different than Chiefs Bengals. Uh, but obviously if you know the Bengals were to lose the first game, I'd probably be like, I don't know if I can sit down and enjoy the second game as much. So I'm kind of glad that it's right. the second game of the day. Yeah. And I think that was a smart move. Um, you know, by the NFL, you're getting Mahomes versus Burrow, arguably quarterback one, quarterback two in the entire league right now, the way that they've been playing the last two years. So that should be a ratings bonanza. And then, yeah, and the first game, Eagles and uh, 49ers in Philadelphia, I mean, the Eagles came out and smacked the Giants. It wasn't even close, so it wasn't even really a game. 
Uh, Dallas and 49ers. That was a little bit of a better game, a little back and forth there. I think at the end it kind of got away from the Cowboys there a little bit. Uh, but Brock Purdy continues on, man. He's just like a rock star, hasn't lost yet, man. He's almost got this team to the Super Bowl. He's one game away from leading them there. So what do you think is going to happen between the Eagles and the 49ers? I think I would lean Eagles because I think there's more outs for the Eagles to win. But, I mean, the Niners and Cincy are the two hottest teams. Like, the Niners literally haven't lost in three months. So to sit there and say, like, they're a huge underdog and this game might be a blowout, I I don't think so. So I, I was going to ask you, with what we talked about earlier today in the Discord, Tua Tagovailoa or Brock Purdy in Dynasty. And does this game this weekend factor into Brock Purdy's dynasty value. If he gets to the Super Bowl, even if he doesn't win it, like that's as far as Jimmy G got, right? And he got an extension with San Fran. So like, do you think this cements Brock Purdy's value and does it cement him as the overwhelming favorite to be the starter if he just gets to the Super Bowl, let alone wins it? I think right now, I think he's a starter going into next year right now like even before this game personally. So I have, I think I have Purdy like maybe a spot or two behind Tua in my rankings because I just started doing my rankings um, a little bit ago. But man, if Tua that came out today that he's still in concussion protocol and it's been, it's got it over a month at least, if not more. Um, yeah, that's very concerning. So I might have to move Tua back a couple spots, and I think I'd be fine putting Purdy above Tua, especially if he's the starter going in. I think I have Lance and Purdy back-to-back just because I don't know what's going to happen there. But how would you rate that? Do you have both of those guys like like almost back-to-back like that? It's funny because I think that Purdy continuing to ascend is actually better for Trey Lance's value. Because I think there's a better shot that the Niners say, okay, maybe we want to keep Trey Lance, but if someone would be willing to give us like a second and a fourth or something like that for him, and we can roll with Purdy on a contract that's less than a million a year, like they've already built a pretty stacked roster. Imagine if they can extend everybody on that roster and they have an extra second and fourth that they get back from what they had to pay to trade for McCaffrey because they traded a lot of their mid-round picks to get McCaffrey, right? Yeah. So this is just another way to basically gain some value back. It's like they traded a bunch of picks for McCaffrey. They have to absorb McCaffrey's salary after this year. They've had to pay some other guys, but then they get some value back because they have Purdy on a cheap deal. They get some picks for Lance. It's almost like they got McCaffrey for free and they have an offense that was better than what they've had before with Jimmy Garoppolo and, you know, probably with Trey Lance. So it's almost like it balances it out of what they paid for McCaffrey and they still have a top three running back for him, you know, the next couple of years too. So I actually think it's smarter for them to go the Purdy route and not try to keep Trey Lance, assuming they can get something for Trey Lance. So I think if Purdy just like goes out and win, like if he wins the Super Bowl, what's the point of having Trey Lance and making it a quote unquote competition? I think it's just having two good, capable quarterbacks on your roster. So say they do what you say and trade Trey Lance to whoever, and then they just have Purdy and, I don't know, they sign C.J. Beathard or Mullins again or Nate Sudfeld, whoever. That's their backup. Like, it'd be a little scary for me um, having one of those guys as my backup, though. 
and and I don't think they even have to do that because they're going to have to pay Trey Lance a couple million going into his third year because he was a high pick, right? It's not like he's dirt cheap. Yeah, yeah. I believe over the next couple of years, he's still going to cost them like 12 million or so or something like that over the next two years. So it's not like he's a nothing. It's just you're able to extract value for him and really not have to pay anything other than what you paid him for his signing bonus. So you get out from that, you get the draft picks. I think they could go out and afford, they could afford a one year, $8 million Andy Dalton, something like that. Like, and that's a good backup. And cause I think there will be some backups that can't get starting jobs that would love to go to a Shanahan system behind Brock Purdy. Because what if he turns back into shit? Here's one. What if the Colts cut Matt Ryan and then they just pick up Matt Ryan for cheap? At something that like that. Yeah, there, there are going to be backups that would be interested to go to San Francisco and they would be willing to probably take non-starter level money with the idea being, listen, you're probably not guaranteed to start any games. But you're in an opportunity where you're going to get paid pretty good. You're going to Shanahan. You got a lot of weapons. And the only guy in your way from even getting like a half a season worth of starts is Brock Purdy. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not a bad gig. It's no different than going like Mitch Trubisky when he went to Buffalo. But he knew he wasn't starting ever unless there was an injury. So it's kind of the same thing. So I actually think it'd be a decent spot for a veteran backup. Truthfully, a veteran backup that's chasing a ring too, right? Yeah, like Matt Ryan. Oh, or a Nick Foles or someone like that. Even if yeah. they're bad, a guy could go there and you're like, yeah, that backup sucks until he steps in to a Shanahan offense. And you're like, oh, Nick Foles yeah. actually looks competent again, you know? I'm trying to think of some of the Shanahan backups that he's had or starters. I mean, he he's had, obviously, Matt Ryan. Brian Hoyer could be another one, but that's like on the low, low end. Um, but, yeah, he, he could have... Uh, a few guys there, so that would be interesting. You know what would be an interesting one there? How about Mike White? Yeah, he could work. I, I mean, just just, sure. just just spitballing the ideas of potentially a backup that could go there that would want to go there because it's not bad opportunity. That's better than signing as a backup on a, a team that already has a top eight quarterback, right? You're not going to play there, and you're still going to get paid. I mean, I could see that being a Gardner Minshew backup something like that, and they get paid a couple million. But the thing is, the, the biggest thing is they know if they ever had to go in and play, it's a great situation to go in and get and get reps in. Yeah. So just, just spitballing, but I can see that. I would If I'm the Niners, I would rather see what I can get for Trey Lance, and if I can get a second or a second plus, he's gone. Because, I mean, what are you going to do? Sit on him for two more years like Jordan Love and not play him? Right, yeah. And then what? Then he goes into year five and Brock Purdy is still there. Now, Brock Purdy might not be good in two years. You never know. But it's not like you're going to go, yeah, Trey Lance is our guy in two years. If I'm Trey Lance, I'm giving you the finger at that point. I'm gone. You know what I mean? And I think option C is if Purdy does suck, you know, and they trade Lance like you're talking about and Purdy sucks, Kirk Cousins is a free agent. Yeah, and that's the, another and interesting the, one. And they does Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins and Shanahan. Does Kirk Cousins play on an expiring contract? We talked about that in the Discord the other day. He has never played on an expiring contract except for when he was on the franchise tag. So if I'm him, I'm not taking the field this year without a contract extension. 
And what have his last two contract extensions been? Fucking fully guaranteed. Yeah. And I don't know if this new GM is just going to commit two more fully guaranteed years to Kirk Cousins because then he's locked in for three more years. And that probably means if they don't win, what's happening to that GM in three more years if they don't win? He's gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't know if he's going to change. I, I think the Vikings are a prime candidate, not in the first round, but second round, third round to draft a quarterback. Um, it would not a Hendon shock Hooker me. spot? Like a Hendon Hooker. Um, I also talked to Ray about this the other day. Um, I I don't want to say I'm going to lock it in, but I would be 75% confident that Stetson Bennett would go in round four. That seems like a round four type pick. Like It's not you know one of my first two days picks, but my third day pick, first one in the fourth round, you know, it's not like a ton of money. I could see Stetson Bennett being like a fourth round pick, and that could be a guy maybe Minnesota would take. Could Stetson Bennett be the kind of guy that Sam Fran brings in? Yeah, because he could. He kind of plays like Purdy a little bit, you know. I I do think Stetson. I don't Bennett think he has as strong perfect. as an arm. I think he's the perfect Joe Burrow backup. Yeah, I agree with that hundred percent. Like that's the I would like that draft pick as much as you hate wasting like a fourth rounder on a backup quarterback when you already have a stud. Like that 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 could be a pick that yeah does fit. I think Stetson Bennett's got shit on way too much. He's actually pr- pretty solid. Like I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to come in and be a starter in the NFL, but he's going to be a very good backup in the league. Um, somebody that you're going to want to actually kind of covet um, on your dynasty rosters. That's kind of what I think of him. Do you see the Vikings, just real quick on this topic, do you see the Vikings as a possible candidate if they don't extend Kirk Cousins? could they kind of have the same type of downfall like the Raiders had this year where like shit just goes the other way next year. And all of a sudden they're in complete reboot mode. I mean, it'd be a hell of a time to do it with Kayla Williams and Drake may coming out. I mean, yeah, but did, did anyone expect the Raiders to have the seventh overall pick in this year's draft? No, I definitely didn't. No, no, not at all. I mean, it happened like that, right? You thought Carr was safe for two or three more years with the Raiders and Devante and then it went the other way, and now they could end up with C.J. Stroud, and you're like, holy shit, I never saw that coming. But that could be the Vikings. I mean, you would agree the Vikings were probably around like a 500 team this year, right? Didn't they get all the numbers said they got a little lucky based on their record relative to what it should have been? Yeah, they were, what, 12-4, and four, I think, or 13-4? and four. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, are you are you looking at them in that division next year like – Assuming that the Packers, maybe they trade Rodgers, but I almost think I'd take the Packers over the Vikings, even if Jordan Love's just average. I think the Packers have more than the Vikings, and I definitely would take the Lions over the Vikings, right? And the Bears can't be any fucking worse. I I think the Vikings have the best offense in the division. Well, I don't want to say the Lions are are pretty good, too. Um so I don't. I'm not going to count them out that fast. But they got to really overhaul that defense. So they got to. And like I said, they got a ton of draft picks again. They should be able to uh, replenish that defense a little bit. Obviously, a new defensive coordinator too. I don't think the. I think the Vikings are. They probably be my favorite to win the division again. Um, but not like a, a heavy favorite. I think Detroit's on their heels. Interesting. Yeah, the Vikings are just one of those teams that feels like they're in. They're in like make or break mode. You know what I mean? What they do with cousins. If they, 
Because here's the thing. If I'm Cousins and they tell Cousins, yeah, we're not extending you, uh, he's done in Minnesota. Yeah. Like, because they can't franchise to tag him because he's already been tagged twice, so he can't be tagged again. So, like, he, he controls his destiny then. He could go out and have 40 touchdowns. And then right. he's like, I'm I'm fucking out of here, you know? I'm going to Shanahan or I'm going somewhere else. And right. I think he would leave. I think another team would come in and take him. And I think he'd probably say, I'm out, you know, because the Vikings w- didn't trust him and they didn't give him a contract when he probably he probably deserves another one-year extension. But I think if you just keep giving him one-year extensions and you never make him play out his contract, you're literally just going to be stuck with him until the year when he just shits the bed. And then you're still stuck with him one more year after that. Right. So, yeah, you're kind of just in no man's land. You either commit to him another two or three years or you just say the end is here and good luck. Go out and have an MVP year. That way we win. And then you can go out and, you know, get another deal elsewhere. Or maybe if you're willing to stay, we'll we'll reassess. But we're going to make your ass play on the final year. We're not just going to keep paying you, you know, a couple years in advance. Especially right. the guaranteed money. That's what he's been used to, right? He ain't going to sign for not once he sees what these other guys sign for. He's not signing. He'll sign another. He wants another two year, $80 million deal fully guaranteed. He's not going to take anything less. So it'll be, that's an interesting story that no one's really talking about. Yeah. And then before we got sidetracked, like we normally do, the other thing I wanted to bring up was there's some interesting, um, playoff or Super Bowl matchups. If, if things do happen, I think the only one, and maybe it's the most, likely outcome is Bengals Eagles don't really have like a history together of any rivalry games or anything like that. But if we get Bengals 49ers, that's, you know, the old, the early or late eighties Super Bowl rematch. Um, those, those two teams went at it pretty hard. Um, obviously had, um, Walsh and, uh, Weish as the coaches, uh, the, you know, Weish used to be the, um, uh, offensive coordinator for Bill Walsh before he went over to Cincinnati. So you have that rivalry going again. Um, obviously, Kansas City and San Fran would be a rematch of a couple years ago, Super Bowl. Same coaches, Andy Reid versus Shanahan again. And then the other one would be Chiefs-Eagles, where Andy Reid coached um, and a Super Bowl. So three pretty intriguing uh, matchups there if, if they do happen to happen. But I think it's probably more likely it's going to be um, Bengals and Eagles. Yeah, Bengals, Eagles. I'll never forget when Donovan McNabb didn't know that you could tie. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I remember that now. And that, it, I mean, that's the best memory I have of Bengals, Eagles. So that that just kind of speaks to probably what the rivalry is. But yeah, I, I'll never forget that uh, that game. Donovan McNabb wasn't sure you could actually tie. And it's like, dude, you've been in the league for like 10 years. You've never seen a tie before. No one's ever... You've never had an overtime game where anyone's like explained the rule to you, but that, that was right. always great. Yep. Yeah, man, there's there's just definitely some really intriguing matchups. Um hopefully uh your Bengals can be in it though for you. That'd be nice. Get uh back to back Super Bowls and then you can never complain about any of your sports teams ever again, as far as as long as I know you. Yeah, man, I'm kind of processing like if they win. There's there's now pressure on them to win the Super Bowl, right? Otherwise, yeah, you're going to start this. having the, you know, I get it. People are going to compare Burrow to Tom Brady and whatever, and it's 
we, I've heard a lot of the Manning and Brady, and it's that's the new Mahomes and Burrow, you know? Like, I can see that. I, I can also see if the Bengals win but then lose the Super Bowl that, you know, Burrow might be the, the new, like, Jim Kelly, you know what I mean? Like, he's now got to two Super Bowls and hasn't won, and, which is awesome to get to two Super Bowls on your rookie contract but he's over two. So then it's like, okay, because it's so freaking hard to get there. But then if he gets there and he's and two, you're kind of like, well, how much, how long can you live on the credit of just being able to get there? Because you took a historically bad franchise there twice, but ultimately you got to win it, right? Yeah, for sure. You got to win it. I mean, Mahomes has been to the AFC championship five years in a row now. And you know, a couple of them, he hasn't, He's a couple of them he hasn't ring. right, but a couple of them he hasn't made the Super Bowl, but at least he's made the Super Bowl multiple times and has won one. So the pressure is on him, but it's kind of not because even if he gets to the AFC championship and loses the next three or four years, he, yeah. he kind of already got there, played there, won one, like the monkeys off his back. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, Dan Marino, I think he it was his rookie year or second year. He went, never went again after that. Everyone thought, oh, man, this guy's locked in. He's going to have three Super Bowl wins. He's going to play in like four or five of them. No, and he only played in one, man. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, he's only played in one. He won one, and, and that was it. Everyone thought, oh, man, Aaron Rodgers, he's going to have three or four Super Bowls by the time he's done. No, he only had one. I don't want to say Mahomes is the same way, but... Mahomes has only got one, and you know if he keeps losing these ones too, it's you know things gonna are gonna change there for Kansas City. Kelsey can't play forever. Um, they're always gonna have these late draft picks. They gotta really hit on these receivers and tight ends and running backs. Yeah, that's gonna be interesting too. So we'll see what happens there with those ones. Yeah, that's what uh, makes it interesting with um, Buffalo because this was yeah. this was Buffalo's year. Josh Allen was his cap hit, I think, was only 14 million this year, and it goes up to like 40 million next year. So, like, next year is going to be the year where they start paying for the fact that, you know, they, they're paying their quarterback. You know, the Bengals are going to deal with that in a couple years. Like, the Chiefs have already dealt with it, and they are still better than the Bills. So, I think that's where you have to give the Chiefs credit. Whereas the Bengals, the Eagles, and the Niners right now are living off the fact that they're not paying their quarterbacks yet. Eagles, same thing. Like Jalen Hurts is a great story, but I don't know if the Eagles two years ago planned to be paying their quarterback 50 plus million a year, you know? And if Jalen Hurts wins, you know, he wins a ring or even just wins MVP or gets to the Super Bowl, like he's he's already cashed in, don't you think? He's got it on lockdown, a big deal. So just it's interesting how the dynamics work, not just fantasy, but NFL reality when it comes to the salary cap. Mm-hmm. Um, one more thing I wanted to bring up before, uh, actually two more things real quick before we go into our main topic of the show. Um, Tua, I mentioned it a little bit ago about his uh, still in concussion protocol uh, over a month from having it again. Um, I saw you did put him on the trade block in one league. I mean, what are what are your thoughts on Tua? Are you kind of just out on him altogether? Do you just want to completely wash your hands of the situation, and if things work out, you'll buy back later? Or, or what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, 
it's a topic that's interesting because there's Tua, the player, there's Tua, the fantasy producer. You saw, you know, he's a top 12 producing fantasy quarterback with the weapons that he has. But there's also the element of, and I think this is becoming kind of the new advantage in Dynasty as a lot more players are becoming sharper, is what is the what is the momentum of the asset to a tag of Viola going to look like going forward? You know, Ray mentioned it. You've heard talks of Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and Jalen Hurts getting massive contract extensions, right? You ain't heard a word about Tua getting the deal. And he's up at the same time those guys are. They're all eligible for extensions starting in March. You haven't heard a word about it. Now, that might be something where both parties are kind of not talking about that because they're still wanting to get past the concussion stuff. But I think you would even agree, if the Dolphins don't really see Tua as a guy that they're going to extend that impacts his dynasty value forever because people are already going to be wary that the, the next concussion he gets it's done for you know so there's that but then there's also well the dolphins don't even believe in him and it's only going to ramp up in the next couple months if let's say we get to march or april and dolphins are sniffing around you know trading for rogers signing brady you know what i mean Maybe not this year, but I can also see it where it's like there's been enough smoke that guys could go to Miami and be the quarterback that it just feels like it's a volatile asset. And so it's no different than like where, I don't know, it's honestly no different than almost where Daniel Jones was like middle of this season where you still weren't sure if he was going to be a long-term option, but he's good for fantasy. Like that's what Tua is. He's a one to two year proposition, but there's a lot of risk with his value and there's extra risk because of concussions. There's going to be people that go, I just don't want to because the next hit he's retiring. So yeah, sure. He might be QB 12, but for me, he's QB 25, which means I'm never going to be somebody that would buy him. And I, I just don't want to be holding assets where 95% of their outcomes are just, they go down in value. Their direction is just trending down. The only thing that keeps it afloat is continuing to score points. And I just see that's that's where he's trending. So if that's all I have in an asset is a guy that's scoring points, but their value, especially at a high position value like quarterback, is just a zero, and it's just going down, 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 down. And at any moment, one hit, one game, he's done. Like if he gets a concussion in week three next year, and they're like, he's out for two months, He's, he's cooked. His value's over. No one will even want him. It'll be below like Zach Wilson level where it's like, yeah, sure. I'll take him for a third. I don't want that kind of asset. And I definitely don't want to invest top 12 quarterback prices to get that asset. So I just think I'm going to bury him in my tiers and how I value him lower to where I just don't have any exposure. That makes sense. Because I I kind of did the same thing with Brandon Cooks a couple years ago. Remember when he got his head scrambled about 17 times too? And I buried him in my rankings. I was like giving him away for thirds. Well, he's actually gained a little value, but it took a couple years because he stayed healthy for two, two, three years without a concussion again. So that that brings up one of them that didn't have a little success and did gain a little bit back, but it's it's wide receiver, so who cares? There's about fifty million of them. Yeah, I think that's the difference. Is obviously the Brandon Cooks one is one that you can point to with the concussions but it's not the same as building your team or investing in the quarterback because like it or not, 
quarterback values in dynasty are very much driven by a upside or B predictability job security. You either have elite upside. And if you have elite upside, people are willing to buy into you in short periods of time. And they're like, well, if you don't have any long-term job security, I don't care as much because I have massive upside year to year. But if you're not the massive upside year to year and you're relying on efficiency, yardage, you know, sheer volume to get your numbers, it, it, it kind of feels like it's basically a Kirk Cousins or a Dak Prescott over again without any long-term security. Dynasty managers are not going to buy into that. That's my concern with Tua. So it there might be a time where if the market starts to view him that way, then sure. I'll buy back in, but it feels like right now, I mean, keep trade cut. He's QB 11. Are you really telling right now in a startup draft, knowing what you know, are you even taking Tua over Russell Wilson? Can he no. pick it? I mean, no. yeah, it's tough. So like that puts him more like QB 16 to 20 range. You know what I mean? Definitely yeah. not. And I guarantee, I mean, I'm not taking, I'm taking all the rookie quarterbacks over Tua. Yeah, Just because probably, they're in the form of a draft pick, right? Like, I don't even yeah. have to commit to him yet. I'd probably still take Cousins over him. Yeah, for sure. Derek Carr, maybe. I mean, what about Pickett or Mac Jones? Because at least yeah. they're young. Pickett, I like Pickett and Mac, yep. Um, Daniel Jones definitely would take over him. I have that. Actually, you'd be surprised. I have Daniel Jones before the rookies. The rookies coming in this year. I have him in my top 12 right now. I'm I'm not surprised. I mean, that's good that you've kind of reassessed and realized there ain't anybody else to put there. Like you get yeah. to quarterback 11 and you're like, okay, I don't like anybody at quarterback 11, but I got to put somebody there or quarterback 12 after Kyler and Dak, you probably got to go Daniel Jones. And like, yep. you got to probably go Trey Lance over Tua. At, at least Trey Lance, if he were to get traded and he's the starter somewhere, who do you think people are going to prefer? Trey Lance, yeah. you know? So, yep. Yeah, he just got to bury him. You got to treat him like he's buried. Exploit the fact that other people probably still value him higher than that, and that's how you get out. Get back in later at a cheaper cost just because I'm very confident that his value is either just going to stay where it is or inevitably the market demand for him is just going to go down. So that's how I'm playing it. Okay. And then the last little topic I wanted to bring up before we move on is a couple of the coaching uh, changes so far. Just kind of get your thoughts about it. So we have Frank Reich is the new Carolina Panthers head coach. I think Frank Reich is a good leader. Um, his offenses have been all right. I mean, he's he's had some terrible quarterbacks. But, um, you know, even with, when he had Phillip Rivers, Phillip Rivers took him to the playoffs. Um, it was a little bit of a dink and dunk offense a little bit. But I think I think he can call a really good offense. So I like that for, for them. He's a good leader. They just need the quarterback. So if they can get a good quarterback there in Carolina, I think Reich will do all right. Um, that division's a little weak as well with, you know, Tom Brady might be gone out of it. Atlanta's still trying to build up their stuff. The Saints are in a little bit of a downward spiral a little bit too. So, you know, if Reich can get a quarterback there, that he could easily win the division there next year. So I like that hire. And then the uh, two other ones that happened today or the last couple of days, uh, Hackett, um, is going to be the Jets' offensive coordinator, and then they basically traded, or not traded, uh, 
uh, offensive coordinator Lafleur. He went to uh, the Rams. Back to the Rams. I actually like Lafleur to the Rams. I think that'll be good. But I don't even think he's going to call plays though. McVay is probably still going to call plays. But being um, where Lafleur was there before, uh, he should fit in really well there. I, I, or his brother was there at least. But I think uh, Lafleur should fit in really well there with the Rams. Runs the same kind of offense um, that all those guys run. So I like that uh, that one for them. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the Panthers do because Frank Reich had three top 10 offenses in five years with the Colts, and he did it with three different quarterbacks. So you have to figure he's probably thinking, okay, if I can just get a decent quarterback, even if it's a rookie, it's going to be hard for them not to be potentially better than what he had in Indy, you know, and maybe he's going to get a little bit of a leash to build some continuity. So even if he ends up taking, you know, uh, a rookie QB, then he's going to get multiple years of the same system, the same quarterback, you know? So I, I'm, I am intrigued to see what they do. Do you think they are absolutely committed to getting a rookie? Or do you think that's a team that would go to the well? And I mean, I've been saying it's Falcons and Panthers are the two teams that could get Lamar because they were in on Watson. Both of their owners, I think would be willing to make a splash because they really haven't been, legitimate contenders in like five years and both have high draft picks that they could send in a deal. You know, I think the Ravens would be, you know, interested in a team giving them a top 10 pick in a trade for Lamar too. So do you think they go the veteran route or do you think they're committed to like using their ninth pick, trying to trade up? Maybe they try to go after Levis or Bryce like what? What do you think they do? Because I think that that will be a big. That's one of the big places that I think could be really good for fantasy. But it could also be, you know, they go get a retread quarterback and it looks exactly like it was an Indy. Yeah, I think going for Lamar makes sense for sure with everything you already laid out. I think maybe going after Derek Carr if they miss out on Lamar or or Lamar signs back with Baltimore, whatever. I think Derek Carr could be another one. But I think after that, I think they would go the rookie route. I don't think I don't think they're gonna go try and get Jimmy Garoppolo or Andy Dalton or bring back Sam Darnold or anything like that. I think they would try and go for Lamar or Carr, and then if those don't work, then they could go for um the rookie maybe if your scenario happens and they happen to trade trey lance they could be in on trey lance too so maybe one of those three and then if not go for the rookie yeah i think the only interesting thing is i mean Derek carr uh, Derek aaron rogers too i could see them maybe going for aaron Rodgers, but the packers already said they won't trade in the nfc but go ahead sorry yeah no i mean it there's a ton of spots there's a ton of different things that can happen uh, Derek carr is going to be the first domino though he is going to be cut and he's going to probably be signed somewhere before anybody else is even eligible to do anything. So, I mean, he is going to be the first domino, whether it's Washington, whether it's there, like he's going to be the first domino. And I do wonder a team that potentially could be in on a guy like Lamar or Rogers. I don't know if they would be in on Derek Carr because then they're kind of settling for the third or fourth best option, you know? So I don't see, unless it's just completely, we're misreading everything and, you know, the Falcons or the Panthers or the Jets have no intention of going after Lamar or Aaron Rodgers, then they might go after Carr. But I think it's going to be the teams that are in on Carr, the teams that clearly are not going to go after Lamar or Rodgers. And so they're, you know, like Washington, like that's the one everyone keeps talking about for 
you know, for Carr. That will be one. I, I do think the other guy that's interesting that we haven't really talked much that is a complete wild card that probably ends up back where he is, but I could also see a scenario where he doesn't. Uh, I could see Tannehill getting cut. And that that's a guy you could easily see going to like Carolina if they miss out. You yeah, know? I just don't think that's sexy enough for that owner. I think that owner is kind of he's missed out on Watson. They passed on Justin Fields and Mac Jones. I mean, I, I get it. They drafted um JC Horn, who's been a decent player, but you missed out on a franchise quarterback. It fell right into your lap. And I said that at the time of the draft. Um I think it was obviously Denver and Carolina passed on Fields and, and Mac, and I said those guys, those franchises are going to regret that. Now, Denver ended up getting Russell Wilson. It hasn't worked out yet, but you know they did get a franchise quarterback. But Carolina's still in that same purgatory. They've they've missed out on the quarterbacks because they passed on Fields there when he fell right into their lap. I always thought that was a really dumb decision. I don't think they're going to let that happen again. So, I think that if they miss out on Lamar or whoever. In this cycle, they're definitely getting one of the rookies. I think they're going to do no, whatever it takes. So here's my final prediction for Carolina if they don't get Lamar. They sign Jacoby Brissett, and they draft Anthony Richardson. Or Frank Reich says, God dang it, David Tepper, I can I can make Carson Wentz a quarterback. Let's bring in Carson Wentz. Well, he knows Jacoby Brissett, right? Yeah, he brings in Jacoby too. He knows him. And I could that that it, it obviously if they were to take Richardson, it's probably they need to sign a veteran, right? To start from yeah. the get go. But I could see that. I mean, that that is that in Atlanta and the Jets are gonna be the three situations that I think are gonna completely swing the quarterback landscape because I think those three are starving for a big move, you know? Like they're starving for Lamar or Rodgers. So those are going to be the ones that I think trigger the real movement. Okay. And then you mentioned Hackett to the Jets. I mean, you know, a lot of people are shitting on that, but it sounds like there were more problems than just the offensive scheme with the Jets. It sounds like there were issues with like the entire locker room and LaFleur and the communication with everybody. Like it wasn't just because honestly, when you watch their offense with like Flacco and Mike White, did you ever look at it and go, this scheme is terrible. Like they can't even move the ball. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, they couldn't move the ball with Zach Wilson, but I don't know if that was scheme. I think it was just Zach Wilson sucked. Yeah. I mean, it could so, have been that, but it but it never felt like their offense was inept, like some of the other teams that had inept offenses. But maybe that's just me watching with my you, am, amateur. I watch football to see, you know, what happens in fantasy eyes. You saw the um, the quotes from Elijah Moore that he allegedly said to him, right? Told him, yes. told Lafleur to f off or something like that. Yes, something like I that. saw that. So that was how, why that old blow up started. So yeah, it, it's uh, interesting. And Lafleur with the Rams, I mean, he's not going to be calling plays, but you know, he gets to learn from uh, McVeigh down there in L.A. So I think it's a good landing spot for him too. Yeah, it's a nice place to go back and rehab your image and basically hide in the background and just latch on to McVeigh and get get in that tree again. You know and. It's more probably like rehabbing his image type thing. You know, I could see in two years where he's getting interviews for a head coaching job out of nowhere. All right. So after about 40 minutes in, let's get into the uh, the meat of the show of what we wanted to do. Uh, so we're going to actually do a mock rookie draft. 
and it's going to be based on our Heisman tier Royal Rumble league scoring. So this is really a it's a 28 team league, which is two copies, which means there's two copies of B. John Robinson. There's two copies of Quinton Johnston, all those guys. There's two copies of each. So we're just going to do a 14 team draft um, out of this one. But running backs, it's a tiered PPR, so 0.5 uh, receptions for running backs, uh, one point for wide receivers, 1.75 for tight ends. Um, there is like reception, or, um, sorry, targets and first down bonuses for each, 0.1 and 0.15 for first downs. Um, this is point per carry for running backs as well, 0.25, 0.25 uh, point per carry for quarterbacks as well. It is a uh, six point per t- passing touchdown league. So that's basically the gist of um, the main scoring points here. So we just kind of wanted to go over and do a 14 team rookie mock draft here for you guys live. Um, I was going to actually bring up to you, Scott. Um, would you want to do it based off of landing spots? Kind of like we'll use Shane Hallam's seventh round mock that the uh, wake up guys did, or do you just want to kind of just do it based off of, we don't know the landing spots, just what players we like. No, I think we just roll with, we just go players. I mean, obviously we're going to go four rounds, 14 picks in each round. So we're going to go 56 picks. So we don't have time, I think, to dissect each landing spot. And truthfully, a lot of the picks, I think the exercise here is I get a lot of questions about, hey, listen to your roster construction. You know, how do you value these picks in this format versus the stock format that you might have covered? You know, how does your strategy change? So I think that's what I, I would like and why I wanted to do this exercise, because this is a different league. I mean, you mentioned some of the settings. It's tiered first downs as well. So like rushing first downs are, you know, 0.25 for rushing first downs. So even that is, you know, bigger than the 0.1 that you get for the reception or for the receiving first downs. Cause I believe it's 0.15 for receivers and yeah, 0.15 for tight ends. So even the tiered PPR applies to the first downs as well. So it's not just point per carry. It's not just tiered PPR. Uh, but you have these other scoring nuances to where your roster construction is a little different. You have to put value positions a little different. And then the point per target, you know, that changes the value on some of the players a little bit as well. And then it's best ball. So, I, I mean, it changes too. your, yeah, your, your roster construction is going to be a little bit different. And just to mention the the nuances of the best ball, it's 25 man rosters. Uh, and I believe the way we're going to do it is we're going to expand the rosters to 29, right? For the, the four rounds of the rookie draft, and then it's going to be yeah. cut down before the season. So it's it's pretty tight from a roster spot standpoint. There's no taxi. You're not really able to like stash or hide players either because it's best ball. You don't want to have 12 players on your team that are on taxi squads in the NFL. You know, you want to have a certain roster construction that even me, admittedly, I've talked about doing some crossover stuff with Mike and Adam. Best ball roster construction different, right? Than lineup. It's a little different. You got to look at it. You got to look at your roster spots a different way. So it'll be fun to do this mock. And, you know, we're going to go deep. We're going to go four rounds, 14 picks in each one. So you're going to start hearing about what we're going to be doing in round three and round four. And I think that's, it's a little early because we don't have a lot of info, but that's what I think we like most, right? All the damn round three and round four picks in these drafts. I mean, that's what we fucking live for. So this oh, should yeah, be fun for sure. Yep. 
All right. Well, you are listed as D101 in this, so why don't you go ahead and start us off? Yeah, so we are going to do this on Sleeper. Uh, so if there's any mess-ups, we'll try to cover it when we're doing this live. But we're not obviously doing this on video, so it doesn't matter to the listeners. But I'll be operating it just so we can track it on Sleeper. So 101, it's a 14-team. Listen, you know the market in Royal Rumble, and that's where maybe things are going to be a little bit swayed because we're both in the league. We both know a lot of the people that are in the league are as tapped in as we are, right? Like they're interacting with us every day, listening to all of the stuff that our content, other content, we're, we're kind of from the same mold, a lot of us. So we're, it isn't like playing with a bunch of random people that you don't know what they're going to do. So there is a little bit of group think, but also strategy that goes into that. And you also know what values are in the league. There's been some trades where elite quarterbacks have been traded. So you kind of know what they go for. And then there's been other deals where, you know, skill players have been given away for just picks because it is best ball. So people look at some receivers and they're like, well, I can replace a wide receiver four easily because it's best ball. So you have, you have different strategies. You know what the league is going to be thinking when we're making these picks. So just kind of keep that in mind when we're doing this, we're, we're thinking of a league that we're in, but it'll be a good exercise regardless. With that said, I'm just taking Bijan. I'm guessing there'll be some teams that have the one one that would potentially consider a quarterback because if they don't have one, when else are they going to get one, right? Because you know you're not trading a running back for a quarterback in Royal Rumble unless you're taking a major hit on value. But I still think I'll just take Bijan. It's tough, but that's the pick. All right, so I am now up at the 102 spot. And I am in a 14-team league, or a 28-team mainly a 14-team league if you split it in half. I, I got to go quarterback here. So I'm definitely going with one of the quarterbacks. You need to have these quarterbacks in these super flex leagues, especially in best ball. Otherwise, you're just going to be completely suck on your team. So this depends on which quarterback I want to go here. I think as of right now, I think Bryce Young has a shot to go to the Texans there. I think – C.J. Stroud probably has the best shot to go to the Colts if they like him over Levis. Anthony Richardson, I, I just I don't know if I could take Anthony Richardson right now, right this minute. I don't know if he's going to be a first round pick. I would like to think he is with his talent, uh, but I just don't know. So I can't pull the trigger on Anthony Richardson right here. I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go with C.J. Stroud. I don't know if he is my number one quarterback right now, but I think with his size, um, he obviously showed he can use his wheels in the championship game. I think he's going to be be my guy here, especially in a little bit of a point per, point per carry. I'm going to go with C.J. Stroud. All right. I don't think I disagree with your pick. I think if you're having to choose now and you don't get to see landing spots or draft capital, he is the safest one where – Feels like with the other quarterbacks, something could go wrong or catastrophic. You know what I mean? Stroud feels like the worst case scenario. He ends up QB two, QB three, and you still feel good about it. So I don't disagree with it. Uh, I am going to take Anthony Richardson at three, just because the format is point per carry. And you know how these guys in point per carry leagues, if they do get to the fields, Lamar level rushing, I mean, they can break the format. 
I think Richardson will probably be somebody that struggles early on to keep up in a six point per passing touchdown with the yardage. Like he's, it's hard to ever be like, yeah, he's going to throw for 4,500 yards. You know, like that's, it's just probably not going to happen. The runners don't do that, but I still think just, plus he's got the value upside. Like all it's going to take is what one preseason game for people to go. Richardson's the next fields. He's the next Lamar. And if he's a first rounder, there's no reason he can't be those guys. Those guys fell in the NFL draft, right? Fields fell. Lamar definitely fell. Like, so even if he yeah. falls and he goes mid to late first, he's right in line with those guys. So I think Richardson's the pick, and there really isn't any other uh, selections for me at this point. So I'll go Richardson 103. Okay. Then I would continue on with the quarterbacks here, and I think I would go with Bryce Young. I think he's probably the most talented quarterback in this draft. Obviously, the size is the biggest concern for him, but I think he's smart enough to know when to get down. I don't think he's going to get beat up too much. I think he is trying to bulk up a little bit and trying to at least get to like 200, 210. I was listening to that on the um, Mel Kuyper's podcast this week that you know he is trying to get bulked up to like 205, 210-ish. Uh, before the um, combine there. So I'm definitely going to go with him, and we'll see how it goes from there. I think he's going to be um, a little bit of a polarizing guy just because of his his um, his size. I think his running ability in a point-per-carry league is going to be really nice too. You're going to be able to rely on a lot of those points that he's going to have. So, yeah, I think uh, from, from my standpoint, I think – He's probably the safest another uh, pick here, especially in a 14-teamer for quarterback. Got to have those quarterbacks. So, yeah, I'm going to go Bryce Young. Yeah, I can't argue. That would have been my other consideration that I would have taken at the uh, at the 104. Now I think it gets interesting. I think you probably have, what would you say, four or five players that could potentially go here just depending on what the needs are of the team that's here yeah i could see that i think ultimately with this being 14 teams i think i would just take the last quarterback personally but that's up to you yeah i would have done that a couple days ago and it hurts because i do like will levis i think a lot of what's been talking about with him is not necessarily fair but I have to acknowledge that even though it's a 14-teamer and even though in this format, the person at 105, if they need a quarterback and there's been three that have already been taken, they're probably, depending on how the manager plays, not everybody plays in a lot of leagues like us. Not everybody kind of treats this as a portfolio or you know how many shares do I have. I think a lot of people will look at it as I need a quarterback. I know this league, it's impossible for me to trade for one. So, like, I have to just take a shot on the last one, especially if he gets the draft capital. And that's the funny thing about Will Levis is, like, I could see him being the first quarterback off the board. He could go damn 101. Yeah, and the dynasty sure. community is still going to go, yeah, this guy sucks. You know, like, he could actually get a good landing spot with some weapons, and people will go, yeah, he's terrible. I don't even want him. So this kinda really like, is. Kind of like Justin Herbert when he came out. Like, everyone was like, eh, he fell to like 108 in every draft or like, yeah, I'll just take Justin Herbert. You know, yeah. we thought he was that great. Kind of the same thing. I think Levis is going to be good personally. I, I like his game. So maybe I'll be one of the ones that are a little bit higher on him, but 
Well, and I think I think the point is that that that's all the positives about Levis. And as in a best ball league, a team that needs a quarterback and they know it's going to be impossible to get one in a trade because of how people behave in this league, they may just go, I have to take them. But I'm just going to say this. I think that the way I would pick it is there is an element of Will Levis to where you're picking him. And whether it's this league or another league, the selection is for the equity on your roster and the fantasy points he's going to score on your roster. If you're taking him 105, it's going to be very difficult to see a world where he is making a profit for you. Right? Like, at best, you can resell him, but he almost needs to not suck right away. He needs to be better than probably what he could be or what the expectations will be right away for you to go, okay, I can now sell him for a 24 first. Because no joke, you draft him at 105 and then you put him on the block in August when he's named the starter in training camp, there will be half the teams in your league that go, I wouldn't even pay a first for him. It's like, dude, I took him at 105. That's fine. He's the starter. I don't care. I'm not giving you a first. Okay, well, what would it take for you to give me a first? Well, I need to see 30 starts of him proving that he's an above average starter. Think about that. Like, that's not crazy. All you'd have to see from Anthony Richardson is two highlight runs. And someone would want him. With Will Levis, they're like, yeah, he needs to have a really good rookie year before I'll even give him a pass as being a starter. So it just feels like that barrier makes it hard to take him. I will take him because I think he will go here in Royal Rumble. But I'll also say in a lot of other leagues where I have these picks, I'm not touching Will Levis in the top eight. So for that, I will take him because I think in this simulation and in this format, he should go there. But if I have the 106 or 105 in a 12-teamer and it's not best ball especially, I, I think I don't want to draft myself into too many shares. I have him in a couple Debbie leagues, and I'm almost like the Debbie leagues I have him in, I'm fine with him there. And I'll just not use a mid first on him, but I'll take him here 105. All right. So now I am up here. All the main quarterbacks are gone, which is fine. There's a guy I want to take here, but I'm not going to. I might be able to get him with my next pick. But I think right here, I'm just going to go ahead and take Jameer Gibbs the running back from Alabama. He has the upside to be like a little bit of a, an Alvin Kamara type player. Obviously he's the best receiving back in the class. So that's really nice to especially have um, all those first down points, uh, reception points. He's going to get more points um, from the first downs. He's going to get from the receiving. And I think, I don't want to call him like a workhorse, though. He, I think he is going to be more like Kamara, where he's going to get like 200 rushing touches and then another hopefully 60, 70 receptions is kind of what I'm hoping for from him on the right team. So that's kind of where I'm going to go with. And especially you've done a lot of research on it about these running backs who have the chance to be RB1 overall in a season. What's the number one common denominator between all of them? They have to be able to catch the ball. And I know Gibbs can catch it. He can put up massive numbers in the receiving game. If a team uses him like an Austin Eckler type or a Camara type, and Gibbs has that upside. So I think I'm going to go with him on this one. Yeah, I agree with the pick. I think this format, people are going to soon realize that it's a very, very, very running back heavy format. 
So I don't even care if he doesn't get a full workload. He does enough. He's going to be on the field enough. I think the other thing in best ball, uh, Gibbs is maybe the second fastest running back in the class, right? So maybe even if he's only getting 13 to 15 touches a game, I'd almost rather have the volatility because I guarantee you if he's getting that workload, he's going to give you four or five games where it's 20 plus points, right? Because he can hit home runs. You kind of want the home runs in best ball because you don't have to start him. You don't have to eat the games where he doesn't do much. Like you're going to get some spike weeks, I think. So I think he does have that potential that makes him even more valuable here than if it was a lineup league where it was, you know, no point per carry, no points per first down. Like he's probably looks more of like a DeAndre Swift. Like that would be his median outcome. But DeAndre Swift in Royal Rumble scored 15 points per game, Eric. That's damn near a wide receiver too. And all people do is shit on DeAndre Swift because of what? The same things you probably are worried about Jameer Gibbs will become, right? Not a bell cow, not the lead back. So I think it's a, I think it's a slam dunk pick. That's exactly where I would have gone. So, okay. All right, 107 is where it gets interesting. There isn't a slam dunk running back that I would take despite the running backs being the dominant position. So I'm just going to take uh, Jordan Addison because I think he is just like C.J. Stroud, probably the safest receiver to get draft capital, but also would be one of the top two receivers for me already just based on the community. So I think he's 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 basically the C.J. Stroud version of receivers. Like I feel like even if he ends up being wide receiver two or three, I'm not drafting a guy that has a massive fall on draft day, you know, where I think there's some worries with some of the other top receivers. So I'll just go Jordan Addison. All right. So you did not take the guy that I thought I could get here. So that's good. And I do like Addison. Um, I like Addison at JSN. Those are my two top receivers in this class. I think at, for, for me right now, it kind of just depends on the landing spot um, of who I would like better. So I, d- I definitely like Addison here. That was a good pick for me though. I'm going with the running back that I think is going to get drafted in round two. I could see Bijan and Gibbs going round one. Maybe Gibbs slips to round two at the beginning. But I also think this running back is going to go in the second round, maybe kind of like in the Jonathan Taylor range. I think Taylor was 41. Uh, We had Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker go in the high 40s or late 30s as well. I'm going to go running back Kendra Miller from TCU. I think he is... Absolutely dynamic running the ball. He can catch the ball really, really well. Uh, just watching Ray's uh, video cutout that he put up. I mean, this dude's going to be a beast at 220 pounds. Uh, this is exactly what the NFL is looking for. And it wouldn't shock me if in two years he's a top 10 dynasty running back um, overall. So I'm going Kendra Miller here. I like it. I like it. I'm going to repeat everything you just said. It's amazing because we've known each other over half our lives. And a lot of times we do think the same way. I am going to repeat everything you just said, but I'm basically, I agreed with everything you said until you put the name in there. And I'm going to go with the exact same argument. I am going to take Zach Charbonnet at 109 for the exact same reason. I think he could be a top 50 pick. And if he is, People are going to look at a guy over six foot, 220 plus pounds in a point per carry league. Done. Someone will love him if he gets that draft capital. We're talking, you know, it's probably ends up being somewhere like I I think I agree with Kendra and I think Charbonnet, both of them could be viewed just like we viewed 
A.J. Dillon, J.K. Dobbins, Javante Williams, and no one's really talking about that. But if they get this draft capital, what were all of those guys? Other than Dillon, he fell a little bit. But like Dobbins, Javante Williams, what were those guys? Those guys were top 10 Cam, pick, easy. Yeah, Cam Akers, yep, same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think these guys are right in that same mix. They just need to get the draft capital. But if they do, they're going to fly up draft boards relative to where they're getting picked in mocks right now. So right. Zach Charbonnet, that's the 109. So I think we've already surprised people probably through nine picks. Yeah, so funny story is Ray, you know, does these weekly, um, and I've been having to catch up on them. So yesterday I caught up on Charbonnet first, and then I went to Kendra. So... I watched these guys back-to-back, literally. And I love both of the players. I agree with you on Charbonnet. I just think Kendra Miller, for me personally, I think his burst and the way he moves is just a little bit more of upside for me to be a a stud running back in the NFL. I do like Charbonnet. He kind of, like, I know they were talking about it um, on the stream that he's kind of like a bigger, a little bit slower Nick Chubb. I could see that. I see, you know, like the way his legs are built, like he's like he looks like AJ Dillon in his lower half to me. So I could see him being like an AJ Dillon type too, who can actually catch the ball a little bit um, better than AJ Dillon can. It's not like AJ Dillon can't catch, but yeah, I agree. I like both uh, Kendra and Charbonnet. I think by the time we get to rookie drafts, um, these guys are going to be in the first round. It's it's going to be. Uh, pretty locked in for that. I think after we get to the combine and, and do all that. So I like that. Um, so c- continuing on here, I think I'm just going to go with the other wide receiver that I liked um, that you mentioned earlier. And I'm going to go with JSN. Uh, I think he's super talented. Even if he has to just play in the slot, I don't care. Get him, give me a, uh, a team where he can thrive in the slot. And, you know, he has somebody on the outside, um, that he can just thrive with, man, I think he's going to be awesome. So I'm going JSN here. I think he's one of the uh, best wide receivers in the class. Pretty easy. Yeah, I, I don't think most people thought he would fall to the 10 spot. Uh, most people are probably like, wow, there's no way he'll actually fall to the 10th pick. But it's the format. You're going to notice this theme with the running backs throughout this draft, I'm sure. Uh, you're going to see a lot of green, which is the running back position and sleeper, uh, probably peppering the the next three rounds of this draft. We're probably going to run out of running backs, to be honest. Nah, we won't run out. We may have to improvise a little bit with the system. But I I think the point is, JSN going at 10, people are going to look at that and go, there's no way he falls there. Probably right, but we're kind of forecasting what we think is going to happen. And we also have people in this league that are pretty sharp to the format. So like, this isn't going to be your typical draft, which is why we wanted to mock this way. If anything, this first round in our point per carry leagues and shit, you and I are in more than a dozen point per carry leagues, maybe even two dozen of them at this point, kind of makes me happy with any first round pick, right? Like worst case scenario, you end up with, you know, JSN or Quentin Johnston or Michael Mayer at the end of the first early second in a point per carry. And normally we would fade those players, but a couple of our point per carry leagues, I have like the 111 and 112, and I'm kind of like, okay, you can have those guys. I'll take the RB3 or four. And right. that's in that format, that's actually better than the receivers. But if you're going to leave me JSN at 10, then okay, cool. I'll take that too. So it just expands the round a little bit, don't you think? Yeah, for sure. And another thing I wrote about it on the newsletter today, I want to trade up and into like the, 
the top of the second, middle of the second, and pick up some more of those higher second-round picks because I think I can pick up a couple of these running backs or a receiver or maybe the tight end like Michael Mayer or something like that that might fall. Um, I, I want one of those guys if I can trade up, you know, trade up with two-thirds or three-thirds to move up and get a higher second. I'm, I'm more than willing to do that. So I know I have a couple of leagues with a bunch of thirds. Even if I can trade three of them, and move up to get a, a premium asset, I think I'd be willing to do that um, in a few spots. Yeah, and speaking of that, like these point-per-carry leagues that we're in, these are not the leagues that I want to pivot to 2024 picks. Right? This this is the class you want to exploit in point-per-carry. Yeah. Now, sure, you can, you can sell yourself how if you trade that 109 for a 24 first, that becomes Caleb Williams, but that's the same thing as saying... You traded that 109 last year for a 23 first, which you couldn't have done, but the argument would have been, well, I can get Bijan, Eric. But the reality is the team that thinks they could get Bijan or they thinks they can get Caleb Williams next year, that's probably not the team when you're at the 109 that's trying to throw their 24 first for a pick in the draft, right? It's probably a good team. It's probably a team that plans on competing. So to think, I mean, I understand, I respect the okay, I'm at the 109, I don't know who to pick, I'd take a 24 first straight up for it in some formats. Point per carry leagues, I, this is the draft I want picks in point per carry. Like, I don't want to trade those out because I don't think next year's running back class has the quality nor the depth we're seeing this year. I think that's where the strength of this class is, is literally hitting all of these running backs that could get capital. Some of them are going to bust, but man, like I want as many picks in this range. In my start one running back PPR only leagues, those are the ones where I'll punt for next year. You know, like I'm okay kicking the pick out. So I think it's playing the format and also understanding where it makes sense to trade out for a future pick and where you just say, you know what? Yeah, 24 first could be Caleb Williams or Drake May or Brock Bowers or Marvin Harrison Jr. But if that's the 109, I guarantee I'd rather have like the 110, 111 this year in a point per carry than the 107, 108 next year. At least that's what I'm feeling right now. So uh, let's see, 111. This is kind of where I'm like, I'll just take this pick because it's best ball. I'll just take Quentin Johnston because I think he still could be the first receiver off the board. Don't love it. A little apprehensive of taking him in a draft this early, but I, I don't see where he's a complete zero. And in a best ball league, like he immediately steps into being a receiver that can produce for you right away. So I'll just by default, I'll take him 111 because he won't fall this far. Yeah, honestly, I don't even know if I would have took Quentin Johnson if he would have fell to the 12th pick. I just, I'm not a big Quentin Johnston fan. I think he's just a little too inconsistent for my liking. Um, but I can't argue he does have some skills. If he does go to the right team, like I think if he went to uh, a place with a good quarterback, like a. Uh, Chargers or something like that, the Chiefs. Okay, I'll, I'll be in. But if he goes somewhere with a, a weaker quarterback that I don't really trust, like if he goes to the Titans or something like that, ugh, I I don't know if I could be in on him to be honest. Would you be in if he went to like the Bears? I don't think so. No. Ravens. No. I mean, there are a lot of bad, shitty landing spots in the back half of the first round that are a little scary. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, so, yeah. I so I'm just a little weary on him. Um, with this being, um, man, I'm having a little hard time trying to choose here. 
Hmm. Yeah, I think I'm going to go this route. So I'm going to I'm going to stick on the running back train. I think this guy should he has a very good chance to get uh, round two capital as well with the way the NFL values speed. And this guy could be a big play home run threat every time he touches the ball. He's a really good running back. I think he's going to bulk up a little bit to be a little heavier. He might not hit that like 200-pound thresh mark that we want him to hit. Um, but, yeah, I think I'm going to go with Devin Achain from Texas A&M. I think with his speed, you know, somebody's going to value that speed really heavily, um, and especially early on in the second round. Like, you just can't teach that kind of speed. So I'm going to go with a, a chain. Yeah, I can't argue. He's the definitely the guy on the board that's going to get the highest capital at running back left. And it's best ball, right? Same thing we said about Gibbs. As long as he's going to touch the ball, I don't care if he touches the ball only 10 times. Uh, there's a lot of extra bonuses that you can get. If you're an efficient player, I talked about this the other day. I think the new advantage of scouting running backs is not just your roster construction of being able to roster construct around the fact that running backs are hard to predict, like who's going to be elite and who's just going to be good. But how do you predict efficiency? How can you spot these guys that don't need 26 touches a game? Because the reality is there's almost nobody in this draft that is going to be a bell cow in the true sense of the word, the Zeke Elliott type bell cow. Like those don't exist anymore. Teams don't necessarily pick guys because that's what they expect. They're trying to find the next really, really efficient guy that can be in a 60-40 committee, right? He can be an RB1 for fantasy and do it in 18 touches a game. Like, that's what you're looking for. So I think picking guys that are good, which is why I keep pumping up like Ray's film breakdown and kind of trying to figure out, I know in the past years we have just said, give me any running back that's breathing, right? Which that's a good strategy when you get later on in the draft when you're picking up guys off waivers. But I think if you're having to make these crucial like round one, late round one, mid, early round two picks, you do have to kind of have an idea of who you want, who you think is good. Because I don't need them to be a bell cow, Eric. I need I need to be able to spot the next Tony Pollard, the guy that can be an RB1 with 16 touches a game. You know, that's what you're looking for. And that's a blind spot because I think a lot of people go, oh, he's never going to get the volume. I don't give a shit. Give me the guys that are good. Give me the next Tony Pollard. You know, that's what I'm trying to scout. So I like the pick. I think A-Chain is, uh, especially for best ball, fits right in that mold. Uh, I'm going to take Michael Mayer at 113 because I don't think he'll fall any farther in this format. People like their tight ends, and he's not a sexy pick. But, I mean, if you're going to value, you know, guys like Fryermuth, Goddard, Hawkinson, if those guys are going to be worth, like, early to mid first in Royal Rumble, which they are. Tight ends are hard to get. Uh, I'll just take Mayer. I think he'll be well gone here. So 113, Michael Mayer. Yeah, those, that's who I was debating between Mayer and the chain. And I just went with the chain because he has an elite trait. I don't think there's anything elite about Michael Mayer. I think he's just a very solid overall, does everything well tight end, but he just doesn't have that elite trait like a chain does. That could be game-breaking, so... That's why I went with him. So the 14th pick here at the end of the first round. Uh, still looking at, you know, maybe one of these running backs if I see one that I think could really go in there. Um, you know, the wide receivers are interesting. There's probably a few of these wide receivers here that are probably going to go at the back half of the first round. 
Um, it's just trying to decide which ones of those are going to be. Um, I could possibly go with another tight end as well that I really like. Oh, man. I, I'm, I'm going to shock you a little bit, I think. And I'm going to go with one that I keep hearing on podcasts that everyone is hyping up and talking about that he's going to be um, a first-round wide receiver, that he's just really good, does everything well. He studies, works hard, good kid, all that kind of stuff. And he has a shot to land like in a Buffalo or a Kansas City um, and have a really, really big impact. So that's kind of what I'm banking on here, that he's going to end up at the back half of the first round to a good team. And I'm going to go with Zay Flowers, the wide receiver from Boston College. Um, just everything that I've heard about him is just sounds really, really good. I'm, I'm starting to get higher on him. So I'm going to go with Zay Flowers here. I think he's going to be a first-round wide receiver. Yeah, I don't hate it. I think after the top three receivers, there's three or four other receivers that could all be the wide receiver four off the board, and we have no clue who that could be. Uh, would be interesting if Buffalo drafts another Zay. Took yeah. Zay Jones, and now they go Zay Flowers. So I'm good with and it. I, and we didn't talk about it because um, Buffalo lost them and they weren't in the conversation. But I think after that Bengals game, it is so apparent that they need a strong wide receiver too. Like somebody that can, you know, if Diggs is getting shut down, that somebody else can take the take control of the game. You know, if somebody shuts down Jamar Chase, hey, well, we got T. Higgins. T. Higgins can take over. Buffalo needs somebody like that. So they got to take some swings at, at that spot. So that's why I'm going with Zay Flowers. Someone like that that could end up in Buffalo. Yeah. No, I think this is kind of an ambiguous point where you like having these picks, but you also look at these picks. Like I believe I have the 201 in Royal Rumble. So it's it's literally ironic that I'm going to be picking the 201 here. I view the 201 as that's a very valuable pick but I have to be flexible with what I take. I can't say I'm locking into a running back. I'm locking into a receiver. You know, it's like, I'm just going to pick a good player. That is probably a starter in a best ball league. That's it. That's all I'm really expecting. Right. I'm, I'm right. not, I'm not saying, Oh, I know I'm going to get this guy or I know I'm going to get that guy, but there's about seven or eight players. And I know I'm going to get one of them. So that's kind of how you have to look at these mid round picks. Cause all these drafts are going to be different. Uh, we are starting the second. We could literally do three hours on this, so we're going to go faster, but I'll just recap the first round. We went Bijan Robinson, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, Will Levis, Jameer Gibbs, Jordan Addison, Kendra Miller, Zach Charbonnet, Jackson Smith, Najigba, Quentin Johnston, Devon A. Chain, Michael Mayer, and Zay Flowers. So we're going to kind of do rapid fire. We can give like a 30-second you know, reasoning behind the pick, um, but... I still think it's a good exercise to roll through yep. and uh, go four rounds, not just two rounds. Like you hear a lot of these mock drafts do. Uh, so I think running backs are going to continue to fly off the board here. I might shock you. Cause I think this guy has a lot of risk with draft capital, but I think in point per carry, this is where you're going to see these types go. Uh, if we did a draft today, he would have probably gone higher in a point per carry. So I am going to take Zach Evans. Interesting. Yeah, that's definitely not the one I was thinking you were going for there. Um, I mean, he's, he's a good ball player, so we'll see what happens there. I think here I'm going to maybe shock you a little bit. I, I do like some of these running backs, but there's one tight end that's sticking out to me that I think could be the best receiving tight end in this class. 
Um, just everything that I've watched on him and heard, hear about him, man, he, I think he's going to be really, really good in the NFL. And I know if you watch the Wake Up Show with Ray and those guys, they've kind of shit on these tight ends. Like, they're not taking these tight ends to, like, the third round in some of these mocks that they've been doing. And I think that's an, an over, or that's a mistake. So I'm going with Dalton Kincaid here from Utah. I think he's going to be a really, really good uh, receiving weapon. Interesting. Yeah. It's two back-to-back picks that I think we'll get some comments on that people will both say those were too early, mm-hmm. but I think both of those picks, we leaned into the format more so than the best player available. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. And I'm getting 1.75 per catch from him. And I don't want to call him the next Mark Andrews or something like that, but he could have an impact like Mark Andrews. Well, here's the thing. I think we used to look at tight ends as rookie tight ends or guys are not going to help you right away. But look at look at what some of the rookie tight ends did last year in best ball. Yeah, that's one of the reasons that I'm fine with it. Like, look at what these rookie tight ends in uh, the 2022 class did. Like, we completely shit on the 2022 tight ends, me and you both. We're like, I ain't taking any of these guys. But you know what? Like, four or five of them ended up being really good key contributors this year. Yeah, immediately overnight, they're in the Dawson Knox, Evan Ingram, Cole Komet. They're in that range as rookies, you know? It's like, and that that's in a best ball league. If you don't have a good tight end, like that's actually pretty valuable relative to receivers are quite frankly, receivers are easier to find truthfully. Right. Right. So, all right, I'm going to go back just to the draft capital. Well, though, cause I think this guy has the best shot of being a first round pick left. Probably the only player on the board. That's going to be potentially a first. I think he's the favorite to be the wide receiver four. So I'll just take Josh downs. Don't love it. It feels like he's, you hope you end up getting another like Christian Kirk out of him or Deontay Johnson, something like that. But best ball, you'll take one of those guys as your threshold. So that that's a safe pick. I think, I think you end up getting a contributor here. Right. So that's why I'll take him. Yeah. I mean, I think there's two other receivers that I think have a good shot to be first rounders, Rasheed Rice and Jalen Hyatt too. So I don't think downs is the last one per se, because I think a lot of these wide receivers are going to go at the end because I think teams are realizing, hey, man, we need to have three good wide receivers out there at all times. Um, We can't, you know, just have these, like the Bears just can't have these shit receivers out there. They're just going to kill your team. You get into these playoff games, if you don't have three guys that can just catch the ball for you and and make some plays, like if you're just relying on Stephon Diggs, you're relying on CeeDee Lamb, like – these good teams are just going to shut you down. So I think these wide receivers are going to be bumped up a little bit there at the end of the first round. I think looking at who's left here, I'm just not sure about any of these running backs. Like I'm sure there's going to be maybe one or two of these guys who are going to go in round three, but probably more likely round four. I just don't know which ones. So right now I'm just going to go with another receiver, and I'm going to go with Jalen Hyatt. Uh, really good slot receiver, very fast. I, that could be a total Chiefs pick. And, like, if he goes to the Chiefs, he's definitely going higher than this. Um, he probably goes, like, where I took Zay Flowers at 114. Um, you know, the Chiefs kind of like this kind of guy. So if Jalen Hyatt goes in the first round, I think he's going to definitely be uh, somebody who should go a lot higher than this. Yeah, I mean, especially people will justify taking him in best ball too. They will be less scared of drafting right. him in a best ball league if he's a high round pack, high round draft pick. So if he's a first rounder, he'll 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 probably be a fringe first rounder in best ball because people will be like, "Well, I don't really 
care what his makeup is. You know, I'll just get the spike weeks and that'll be that. Especially if he ends up on a team that went to the playoffs. Like I said, Bills, Chiefs, we keep mentioning. Um, You know, if he hits hits on one of those and gets that quarterback, hell yeah. I mean, that might be the Chargers deep threat that they've been waiting for. Yeah, for sure. And and you know how the speed is. Like, if you run a four two or four three real high, you, you know you're going up about ten fifteen spots in the draft. Yep, agree. Uh, I'll just take Kayshawn Boutte. I think he's probably the last receiver that I would take in this range. I know you mentioned Rasheed Rice, so he's still available for you. But mm. Boutte for me is going to be more of he does feel a lot like George Pickens last year to where it doesn't even matter where he gets drafted. If he goes just in acceptable draft range, like top 50 people will elevate him higher because they'll blame kind of like artificial things that pushed him down. Kind of like with Pickens, like people just treated Pickens last year. Like he was a first round receiver yet. He was damn near a second round receiver or a damn near a third round receiver. He was closer to the third than he was the first, but it didn't matter. He just immediately went into that range of like, he was in the first tier of receivers pretty much overnight just because of the name. And I think Boutte is going to be the same. So I'll just lock him in. Okay. Um, so for me, like I don't, like I mentioned Rasheed Rice, I don't like love him. I think I'm going to go back to the point per carry well here. And one guy that I think could definitely get a lot, a lot of points in that point per carry realm on the right team. And that's Chase Brown from Illinois. He was a hammer this year for Illinois running the ball. He was like, he had a couple like 40 carry games, almost like Derrick Henry like. Uh, so I know Chase Brown can handle that load. Uh, so I'm going to go Chase Brown here. Interesting. There's a lot of running backs that you lump into this range, I think, that we're going to start taking. So it's really just going to come down to you probably have to estimate them to get round three or round four draft capital. But it could also be you could prefer different ones based on where they land too. So it's really just picking the process here over the actual player talent. Like I did say earlier, it's probably key to pick the guys that you think could be good versus the ones that aren't. Um, but I think the process can apply to essentially just looking at all of this group and saying, I want to get as many of these guys as I can. So I I'm I'm torn here because there's a player I want to pick and then there is a player, two players that I could argue that I should pick just based on for some of the other reasons that we talked about. So I'm going to leave those here and I'm going to go with who I think could be the, the next best hammer for point per carry and I'm going to go with uh, a guy Ray really liked, Izzy Abenkanda. That's going Abana to be my selection. A Abanaconda, however you want to say it. I'll learn how to say it by the end of draft season. But Abanaconda or Banaconda, however you want to say it. But that's the pick at 207. I think in point per carry, he'll be a little more favorable to me over a couple of the other backs that are going to get higher draft capital. So I don't know if you watched his uh, film breakdown. So Really, really good. It was just one game. Uh, they had some issues with those. The first one that Ray did, I think Ray said he mentioned he might go back and, and redo him uh, later on. But, man, the, the film that he showed, like the quickness, the burst that a band of Kanda has is insane. So, yeah, this guy is definitely like a 4-3 four, four, for sure, maybe 4-2 type of guy. I definitely love that pick. I think 
The only thing with me is he's just a little smaller. I think he's like barely 200 or right around that range. So he's going to have to be there um, to really be a hammer. But he's definitely like a Tony Pollard type. So uh, definitely love that pick. It's back to the trying to predict the efficiency part versus like. Right. You know, like I, I think that's going to be a key thing. I did watch the film breakdown. I caught the end of it. I didn't watch. I haven't watched all of the others. I've seen most of them, but I did catch that one. So I do agree with you. I'm surprised you took Chase Brown over him. I think it's just the format. I think Chase Brown has a chance to be a, you know, a James Conner type, a 20 carry guy that you can rely on, can catch the ball a little bit too. So I think it's mainly just the format for point per carry. I just, I don't know if a band of Kanda is going to have, you know, 15 carries a week I, he might just be like a eight to ten type of guy and then get a couple catches fair enough so uh so all right so my pick here um after you took a band of Kanda for your pick i think i'm just gonna go with the guy that i think has a chance to go first round uh early second round and that's rasheed rice the wide receiver from fsmu this is probably about where he should go I mean, I can argue a couple of the running backs as well, but I'm just going to go with Rasheed Rice. This is probably where he should go right now. So go with Rasheed Rice. Yeah, I think that that will be a pick you're not going to probably get uh, this late in a best ball league because he's going to get good draft capital and someone's just going to take him over some of the running backs. I think the interesting thing with the running backs, just back to Chase Brown and Abanacanda, is you know, I'm looking at, I just pulled up two different sheets, uh, a couple picks before we draft those running backs. And you have kind of profiles all over the place in terms of like height and weight for these running backs. So that's going to be a big thing for me in point per carry leagues, especially is what are their speed scores? You know, what are they yeah. weighing and what are they measuring at? Cause sometimes it's misleading. You think a guy is 215 and he's really 203, or you think a guy's under 200 and then he's 208. You know, like there is a little bit of nuance there that we just don't have the full information on. Uh, and as soon as you can kind of mask that with draft capital, if you can blend the two together, that's what makes, I think, these these picks now uh, the highest upside. If you were actually doing a draft, we have a couple of rookie drafts that happened before the NFL draft. And like that's what you're going to have to guess on is like a blend of decent profile and a blend of draft capital. And if you hit both, then you're probably not going to hit a bust pick. So. Uh, I'm going to go at 209. I'm going to go another running back, a uh, guy that definitely is going to be big and fast. I don't know exactly what his role is going to be, but I think he's going to check the boxes in terms of you never know. Uh, but he's not going to be somebody that a team is going to go, yeah, he's too small to get any sort of workload. Uh, and I do think best ball could work out for him a little better too. So I'll just take Roshan Johnson from Texas. Okay. Yeah, I, li- I like that pick a lot as well. He was obviously the backup behind Bijan and didn't get a lot of run, but he's a core special teamer. So you know he's making the team and he's going to play on special teams. He's going to have a role. He's going to be active on game days. So that's a big thing too um, with him. So yeah, I definitely like that one. I, I think he's got just looking, I just running like a physical comp on him. Um, He's kind of got like a little bit bigger version of like Kenyon Drake to his okay. game. But Kenyon Drake, if you remember Kenyon Drake at Alabama, he was almost like a receiver. Yeah, he's a receiving back, I know, yeah. Like, he was not even a running back. And then he gets to the NFL, and he ends up having multiple seasons where he's getting a shit ton of carries, you know? So Mm -hmm. maybe something like that happens with Roshan. And if if you said, yeah, he had had three seasons of 
huge workloads in college, I think he would profile differently in this type of format. So that's why I think he's actually probably, honestly, I can see he's a better, I think he has a higher ceiling than some of the other running backs. So, mm-hmm. so the next uh, one, I'm going to go with another running back as well. I'm debating between a couple here. Um, but I've just seen some highlights on him. I know some people have him a lot higher than this. They're probably screaming through their podcast. Why isn't this guy gone yet? Um, but I'm going to go with Sean Tucker from Syracuse. Guy can catch the ball. I've seen him break some big plays in the receiving game. Obviously a really good running back as well. I think he's, you know, he's probably, I'm guessing probably a fourth round draft pick, maybe third round if he's lucky and test out well, but I could see him being a fourth round pick kind of like where, um, I think Tyler, no, Tyler Algier was a fifth rounder, um, but yeah, I just see Tucker in that kind of in that kind of range, and he's got the speed. Obviously, he's going to probably be a a four four at worst type of running back. I'm thinking. Uh, so yeah, I like Tucker a lot. Yeah, I was wondering when he was going to go because uh, he was the one that was just kind of sticking out. And it's interesting from a value perspective because I don't think there's going to be many drafts where he falls to the end of the second barring that he doesn't get like sixth round draft capital. You know, if he goes in round three or round four, he's going to be like last year's Zamir white. Like Mm -hmm. everyone's going to draft him high because they knew his name before this, you know, like if you just listen to people talking about like late first, early second round picks, you always hear them throw in the name Zach Evans and Sean Tucker, you know, like they should be in the mix with the top guys. Bigsby too. But the reality is those guys are, all in the big group of the guys we've been taking the guys that most people probably wouldn't even think to put ahead of them. But to me, I don't think we see a big difference, but you still got to take them. And I definitely think that's really good value here. It's kind of a tear break here, but I'm just going to go back to the running back train. Um, There's probably four different ones I could take here. And I, so I hate being the top of the tier. I do think this guy has a chance to be a, efficiency monster in the NFL, but he's never really had much of a workload ever. But I think he also has the highest draft capital potential on the board. So I'll go with uh, Kenny McIntosh from Georgia. But I think he could go in round three and surprise people. And yeah, I mean, I think all he, he has a shot to go round two like James Cook did. Yeah, I don't know about round two, but I, I think he has a higher potential for draft capital than some of the guys we've already taken. So... Yep, that was another guy I was looking at as well. Um, there is still a couple running backs here I like, uh, but I think I'm going to go with the format again here with the with the 1.75 tight end premium, and I'm going to go with the one that they've talked about um, on a, f- a couple podcasts that I've listened to that is going to test athletically like a freak, like he's going to be one of your Raz freaks, and that's going to be Luke Musgrave, the tight end from Oregon State. Um, he was injured this year um, for a couple games, or for most of the season, actually. I think he only played, like, one or two games. But um, the one games he did play, man, he was an absolute beast. I think he was, like, 11 for, like, 120-something um, and a touchdown, had a big game. And if everything tests out right that this guy's going to be a, a Raz freak, I think I think I got to take him here. So Luke Musgrave. Interesting. Yeah, you're, you're definitely embracing that uh... – take the rookie tight ends. Like we've talked about all off season about how last year we were completely wrong and 
seems like tight especially if they're ras freaks i know i know how you are with them if this guy tests out athletically and he's like in a a nine point something you're gonna be on him so well i i don't disagree with you i think the biggest difference is in the past we still didn't even if they checked all those boxes we still didn't respect mm-hmm. them enough to take them this high right because we just figure right i tight ends take a while but maybe you're onto something with last year to where it's like tight ends play right away they're they're just as immediate of contributors as wide receivers yep. so maybe we should be looking at them a little bit differently so i respect it i respect it um uh, Man, I really should just lean into the format, but I'm sitting here looking at like what running backs I think could get like round two or round three draft capital, and I don't think there are any left. And I think there's multiple receivers that could still go in the top 50, if not second round picks. So I think I'll just go with them, even though the format doesn't really say it. Like I'd rather have a mid-round two receiver than like a fifth-round running back. Right, I agree. Until I know the running back's landing spot. You know, if I know a running back's in a good spot, I don't care where he's drafted, really, because really we're just trying to get bodies. Uh, But I think in best ball, it's more important to have contributors at every spot versus just, hey, I like that profile, but he could be the number three running back on a team. That's You don't want too many of those guys in best ball. So I'll just go Marvin Mims, uh, wide receiver from Oklahoma. I think he could get second-round draft capital and uh, could be kind of a boomer bust threat for – for best ball. So I think he's probably the best value in my eyes. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to stay with the same route as you. I'm going to go with Cedric Tillman from Tennessee, another big outside wide receiver. Um, he did get injured a little bit, but when he was playing this year, man, he was Hendon hookers, number one target before Jalen Hyatt, honestly. Um, so I really like Tillman. I like his game. I think he could be pretty good in the NFL. And like you said, he could be a top 60 draft pick still. So through two rounds, uh, we already named the first. I'll recap the second. Zach Evans, Dalton Kincaid, Josh Downs, Jalen Hyatt, Kayshawn Boutte, Chase Brown, Israel Abanaconda, Rasheed Rice, Roshan Johnson, Sean Tucker, Kenny McIntosh, Luke Musgrave, Marvin Mims, Cedric Tillman. 28 picks left, Eric. How many of them are going to be running backs? Um... I'd say at least 12. 12? Okay. I was going to say half the picks left could be running backs. Yeah, I think so. So we'll just roll through them. There's not, honestly, a lot of the picks left, unless you're going to cite draft capital, there's probably not a whole lot to go off of because I think we're at the range where it's like, you can't really predict where these guys are going to go because there's going to be different preferences, different landing spots. So it's really just picking guys you like, but also following a process. So I do think... Tank Bigsby will not fall to the third round of a 14-team league. Uh, It is funny that he's Tank, but everywhere I see him listed, he's either 211 or 215 pounds. So it's not like he's a a true Tank, you know what I mean? Right. But I I think just based on his name alone, if he gets even fifth-round draft capital, he wouldn't fall here. So I think he's just going to be off the board, so I'll just take him. Okay. Uh, for me here, I'm actually going to go to a position we haven't taken in a while, and that is quarterback. I think Hendon Hooker has a shot to go in round two or three as long as all the medicals and all that check out. Uh, there was a lot of talk about him being a first-round draft pick before his ACL tear. Um, 
and I think you know going in round two or three, somebody will take a shot on him, and he played pretty good this year. So I'm gonna go Hendon Hooker. Do you think, knowing Royal Rumble, do you think he may even go higher than this, given there's going to be a team randomly that's, especially in a two-copy, where the first copy may go way higher than you think because someone just is desperate for a quarterback? Could you see him going in, like, the early to mid-second, even if he gets, like, late second-round NFL capital? Yeah, absolutely. It just uh, yeah, it depends on his capital. If he goes in like round four or five, then probably not. But if he goes in like round true, like where Kyle Trask went at the end of the second, or like Kellen Mond went like the early third, uh, something like that, I could I could see him going, you know, definitely higher than where I just took him. So you think this group there will be a team that just goes screw, screw the best what I think would be the best evaluation, and they're just that desperate for a quarterback. Yeah, there's definitely some desperate players in the Heisman Royal Rumble League, so yes. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, that listen, that's something that's going to happen. I mean, look at how people justified taking, you know, Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter last year, right? They got to a point and they're like, okay, all these running backs are the same. All these receivers are potential roster cloggers. I hate rookie tight ends because they don't do anything early on. Give me the next best quarterback, you know? Give me the right, round. Right, I don't care sure. about the odds of, you know, whether they're going to ever start a game or not. So, all right, I'm going to go back to the running back train. I'm going to go with Eric Gray. Not sure what his draft capital is going to be, but I I do think he's a guy that people are going to start liking more and more as we get closer. We literally forgot about Eric Gray for like three years. Like I remember Ray loved Eric Gray like in 2020. And then like literally he's been off the radar for two years. So he's back and he's a guy that I can see showing up in like the fourth round of the NFL draft. And you're like, wow, yeah, I remember that guy. He might be pretty good. I don't know what the hell happened to him in the last couple of years. So I think that's a good pick. Yeah. Um, I, I heard an interesting, um, uh, I'm not, I don't remember exactly what it was to be honest, but I think he's the only, the, the first running back at Oklahoma to rush for 1400 yards since Adrian Peterson. Even before DeMarco Murray and Ramondre Stevenson and all these other guys, I think he's the only running back to run uh, for fourteen hundred yards at Oklahoma since Adrian Peterson. If I if if I remember what I heard correctly, um, but yeah, I agree with you. I, I like Eric Gray still. He's a bigger back. I think he's going to be a guy that I just pound in round three um, in all my rookie drafts this year. I definitely love that pick. I'm going to stick with the running backs as well. I think this one should have actually went a little higher. I think I would take him before Bigsby and Gray, and that's Dwayne McBride from UAB. Another good running back. Um, not a very good in the passing game. Um, he does have some good hands. So I remember Mel Kuyper talking about that he does have hands. They just did not throw the ball to him. Uh, so maybe that you know balances out a little bit, and we see him catch the ball a little bit more in the NFL. Uh, but he's a really good runner. He has, I don't want to say breakaway speed, but it's like it's like solid four five speed, four five five speed mid mid range there. Um, but he's proven he can handle the load and do all that. So I definitely like McBride a lot. If you like Dwayne McBride, do not listen to Matt Waldman's show today, where he talks about all fifty two running backs that he's scouted thus far in this class. Mm-hmm. He said Dwayne McBride, lucky he'll be lucky to make a roster. And he said his ceiling is Craig Reynolds. Okay. And this is the guy who told me Kennedy Brooks is going to be the guy. 
didn't even fucking wasn't even on a team really all year. Um, he I think he went to the CFL at one point. Uh, not to mention all the other misses that Matt Waldman has had. So that actually makes me like Dwayne McBride a little bit more. I was going to say Trey Sermon. He did like Zonovan Knight. He was on Zonovan Knight, so he can take some yeah. victory laps. Uh, his, but... his top receivers were Dante Pettis, Hakeem Butler, and who was Denzel the other Mims. One? Denzel Mims. Yeah, that was his top three. His 2018, 19, and 2020, his top three receivers were those three. So take that with a grain of salt. He did have Jamar Chase, his wide receiver one in 2021. Yeah, well, the, everyone did. But Hakeem Butler at that point was the greatest wide receiver he has ever scouted. And Hakeem Butler hasn't even been on a team in like three years. All right, let's have some grace. I just pointed it out because I literally listened to that about. Sorry if you listen. Sorry if you listen, Matt. I'm sorry, but it is. Yeah. yeah. If he's listening, then thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Anyway, that I just stood out to me because listen, he went over 52 running backs in like an hour and 15 minutes, so it was like two minutes on each one. And I just remember, I'm like, okay, which ones did he talk about like glowingly that I really didn't think about that way and which ones did he absolutely just shit on a shit in a bag and light on fire and the one he, he shit like, in the bag and lit on fire was Dwayne McBride right he's one of those like I, I he does great film study and, and does all that and he has a great following puts out a great product I'm not denying that the guy has worked his ass off to to be what he is in this space so kudos to him for that I just take his stuff with a grain of salt because he has been wrong so many times, you know, it's just, I, I, I can't trust it for my, for my da- dynasty and fantasy takes. It's just one that I, I can't put all my eggs in that basket and I never would. Okay. I mean, I get it. We all have opinions. It's really early on too. And listen, I've said many, many times about Matt Waldman and a lot of other people that put in that type of work. Our analysis is different than theirs, Right. Right. We're looking at this from building dynasty teams. We're looking at this from dynasty roster construction. I'll just say this. I would love to play in leagues against all Matt Waldman's. You know why? Because he thinks he can watch players and just build better teams. You and I are going, you know, we care about players, but like we care more about building rosters, you know, and, and trying to pick paths. I could give a shit if a guy looks good or looks bad tell me where the efficiency and the playing time and how it's going to fit into my roster build. That's all I care about. So that's where right, we're, right. we can exploit that kind of thinking if those are the types of players that we're playing against. So, right. All right. Back to the draft. I'm just going to follow uh, the narrative yeah, of take a running back, take a running back that I think has best ball potential. So I'm going to go with uh, one of Ray's guys, Ty J Spears. Yeah. He uh, sniped me. He finally sniped me on one. Running back from uh, Tulane, so just yeah, he's Very body. He could get yeah. eight to ten touches a game, but hopefully he gives me three or four spike weeks, and I'm good with that. Yeah, yeah, he's never gonna be a um, you know, the one A of a committee, but he could definitely be a really, really solid one B on a team, uh, like a Tony Pollard type, just smaller. Uh, but I love his game. Definitely, really, really excited about him. Uh, my next one here that I'm gonna go with. Man, I'm just I'm not in love with any of the receivers. I'm not in love with any of the quarterbacks. I think I'm gonna go. Yeah, I think I'm gonna stay on the running back route, and I think I'm gonna go with your guy. I mean, this guy has proven that he can be a workhorse. He's just a little bit of a knucklehead. Um, do I see this guy 
getting suspended or arrested in the NFL, probably, to be honest. Um, but he, if he can get his shit together and be on a team and, and play really well, he's got a shot because he's proven that he can carry the workload in the SEC, and that's Chris Rodriguez Jr. Won't argue. And I... Let's be honest. I, he's really never been like in trouble in trouble. So I don't you know. I wouldn't go with the he's going to get arrested, but I can see the knucklehead Would factor. Would shock but you? No. No, no. But I wouldn't go as far to say get arrested. Now, could he be a guy that gets in there and just thinks, you know, he's been bigger, faster? Like he, his job has never been threatened. You know what I mean? He could show up right. and he could show up in the NFL and he, he still might be the bigger and fastest or biggest and one of the fastest running backs and it's like dude you're not any good you're not even gonna right. make the team so right. there is that but uh well i took ty j spears so i might as well go with a guy even smaller so i'm just gonna hit deuce vaughn because i do think he'll be somebody that yep. uh best ball get you know i didn't even look in royal rumble do we get kick return points too i think we get kick return yards and punt return yards and stuff right so uh yes, so we get uh, kickoff return yards. You get one point for every twenty five yards, and that's six points for uh, for the touchdown. Yeah, so I'll take oh, yeah. Deuce Vaughn. Like I he didn't play a lot of special teams, I don't believe, in college. But I, it kind of feels like he might have to do something like that in the NFL to kind of maintain mm-hmm. his role. But you know, he I think he's got skill. He's one of those guys. If you put fifteen pounds on him, he would have been gone a round ago. Because right. I, I, I haven't heard that. anybody say anything really bad about his actual game. It's just his size. So, right, I could see that. Uh, so next one, I'm gonna go with. I think I'm just gonna. I think I'm gonna go with the format again. I'm not in love with any of the receivers. The run, running backs are getting low here. Um, but a guy that you know, Dane Brugler has talked up, and some of the other analysts out there, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, have talked up as like a top fifty pick, almost a lock. And that's going to be tight end Tucker Craft from South Dakota. Um, he's, you know, he's obviously going to be tied a little bit to Dallas Goddard, same school, tight end, you know, good athlete, was really good, dominated the competition there in D2. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with Tucker Craft. Eric with his fourth rookie tight end. Well, third, you took, you took Meyer. Oh, that's right. I did take Meyer. Interesting. I mean, I'm a I little guess... higher on the tight ends than like Ray and these guys have been. Like I said, Ray and these guys are barely taking these guys in round three and four and shitting on them, and I think it, it's a mistake. So, is part of that though because they're not assuming it's Royal Rumble fourteen team one point seven five point per first down? Yeah, I don't. I think the guys are just doing it on, um, you know, they're just doing like a regular super flex league. Maybe they're not thinking it's a heavy tight end premium type of league when they're doing the wake up show and whatnot, because these guys are going in the top six, 50, 60 picks at each time. Like I know uh, Musgrave, I think uh, went to the Bengals in the first round um, in one of them. So, you know, yeah, these guys are going to, they're going to get the draft capital. So. Yep. Speaking of draft capital, I actually think this guy will go higher than some running backs, but he's super old. Had an Achilles tear, so I'm just going to take Mo Ibrahim because he's just going to yep. be another one of those bodies. He's could go in round four, could go in round six, but he's going to be a body that you're going to hope makes a roster. But if he does, I think he's somebody that you know you'll want in this type of format. So it, literally, he's just a process pick. Okay. Uh, next one, I'm going to take. I'm just going to take on. 
there's a couple of them there, but I, I'm just going to take him on, you know, he was a pretty high Debbie guy that people have thought a lot of, and Dottie was pretty good. Um, we'll see how he tests and does all that, but I'm going to go with Rakeem Jarrett from Maryland, wide receiver. We're thinking the same. I was going to go with a receiver, but not Rakeem Jarrett, but I'll lock in Rakeem Jarrett for you, and I'll take Parker Washington for the same reason. Yeah, I was going between the two, yep. Both those guys could go round late round two to end of round three, and they're in the, you know, for best ball, they're not roster cloggers. They're probably in the Wandale Robinson, David Bell, Jalen Tolbert range from last year. Mm-hmm. It's just, are are they good or are they not? You don't know. So Right, right. Um, then kind of looking at I mean, the running backs, there's not too many of them that are left that I would uh, really consider somebody I got to get. I I do like him. I think I can get him a little later, so I'm going to think I'm going to wait on him. I think I'm going to go with uh, another wide receiver here that has gotten some hype lately. Um, He's going to be at the Senior Bowl as well, and that's Puka Nakua from BYU, another wide receiver that um, has gotten a lot of hype. Uh, Played with Zach Wilson and was Zach Wilson's main guy, so I think Nakua. So you're drafting him based on the hype, huh? Yeah, I I think he can uh, he can prove uh, prove it this week at the Senior Bowl coming up. So I like him. Okay. Uh, this was another guy that Matt Waldman shit on, uh, but didn't shit on him as much as Dwayne McBride. He's huge. He is a type of running back you would take in a point per carry. So it's going to be Cameron Peoples is going to be my pick. Uh, there's not a lot of running backs left that I think get draft capital. He's by far the highest. I think he could go in like round four, round five, round six. Like he's going to get drafted though. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's pretty much one of the last ones that I would consider here. Otherwise, I'll just look at like late round four waiver guys. So Cameron Peoples is going to be my pick at the, what is that? The 313? Uh, 313, yep. yep. All right, so I I was just talking about this guy, and I want to see if he's even in the the player list. And I don't. Oh yeah, he is. Uh, so he's at the bottom. So uh, this is a guy that um, when we had Shane Hallam on, he talked about him, and I don't know how to say his name, so I'm gonna give it a shot. Andre Isoveas, maybe from Princeton, wide receiver, going to the Senior Bowl, six three, two hundred. Uh, was like just dominant athlete there. So I'm going to go with him here. Yeah, I'm curious as to what the senior bowl receivers look like because there's a lot of guys that like there there really isn't anybody that stands out, but there's a lot of guys that could have one of these kind of like late surges. And this is a class where... And the quarterbacks are dog shit. Yeah, the, the quarterbacks are bad. But I mean, there, there could be a receiver from the senior bowl that as we start to to forgive guys for being, you know, not early declares, you know, it used to be like, I wouldn't touch receivers that were over 22. Right. But when you're talking best ball, I think I have to shift my mindset a little bit. And if there's a receiver at the senior bowl that gets a little hype and could end up going in like round three, like you, you have to respect that in a lineup league. I, we would never touch those guys. I could give a shit. So I think that's something where I have to kind of change my scope a little bit. Uh, and think about that. Think about some guys that could get draft capital simply for the reason that they're not going to be roster cloggers. My pick is going to be just that. I think Xavier Hutchinson can get draft capital. 
Okay. We'll see. That's another one that's going to be there. So we'll see what that ends up looking like. But uh, fourth round, 401, um, I do think he ends up being like a early day three, late day two pick in the NFL draft. So we'll just go there. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go... I'm going to go with um, another player that did get some buzz early on. I think he has a shot to be probably like a round three or four pick. A lot of people like kind of like um, a Davis Mills type. And, and he, actually, they went to the same school. So I'm going to go with Tanner McKee here. Back to the quarterback. Well, Tanner McKee. Yeah, I think in a super flex round four, why not take a shot at a quarterback? Like there's nobody here that's probably going to get like tremendous draft capital outside of one guy that's still available that might get great draft capital. Um, But yeah, I think I'll just go with uh, Tanner McKee here and take a shot at the quarterback. And I know we're not playing these teams like for what they are, but that that spot took CJ Stroud, Hendon Hooker and Tanner McKee. So that's a team just shooting for something, right? Right. Yep. Did you look at that or did you just pick? No, it's it's just I'm just going based off BPA, whoever I like uh, best left, honestly. Okay. All right. Oh, well, I'm going to go. I was actually thinking you would go somewhere else, but this is a pick I, I don't. Uh, just going to say, honestly, I don't know much about these wide receivers that are left. I know a couple of the names, but some of the other ones, like probably three-fourths of them, I just haven't done the research on yet so i'm like don't know about them to be honest yeah there's a few but like again if they don't get certain draft capital i'm not really interested in them right but yeah if we're talking here's another thing to consider when you get this far into drafts this probably applies more to lineup leagues but even best ball if you are going to make a pick here you can trap yourself by taking receivers in this range because you're most likely drafting guys that are not going to be starters day one, but that doesn't mean they're, they're, they're busts. Right. I agree. If a running back goes in the round six and doesn't make the roster, it's easy to just cut them. Right. That's the difference. Like you don't want to get stuck with a receiver that you like. And then they get fourth round draft capital or fifth round draft capital because they immediately become a roster clogger. There's someone you kind of just got to sit and wait. Uh, so anyway, I don't know how this guy fell so far. I know how he did because I don't know anybody that actually likes him as a dynasty prospect, but I'll take Darnell Washington because he may go in the yep. first fucking round. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's That was the guy I was mentioning, yep. Like, I don't even want him. Like, honestly, if there's a better chance that he's a bust than a lot of these other picks just because I'm not sure if he's actually going to be an offensive weapon, but I, you know, someone will take – he will yeah. go way higher in Royal Rumble because his draft capital will be high. Yeah, I just don't ever see him being a guy who gets over 600 receiving yards in a season, but he could be like, I don't want to say double-digit touchdowns, but he could be like a seven or eight touchdown guy just being like a a goal line type of weapon, and obviously he's really, really good at blocking, so that's going to be his main calling card. Uh, But yeah, I, I agree with you. He probably should go a little earlier than this, but I think both of us are just like, I don't want a blocking tight end. So would you'd rather have like Jelani Woods over him? Yes, at least Jelani is showing me offensive capability in the NFL. Okay. Darnell Washington, I mean, I know he was buried, but it's never like he had like some 100-yard game like or anything like that, you know what I mean? Okay. No, it's 
it's it's interesting because if you look at college production historically at tight end, it doesn't literally it doesn't matter as to if they produce in the NFL. But I think the blocking thing is legitimate. Everyone's talked about that. Like a team is going to view him as a blocker. You know, right. I, I, I was listening to the prospect of pros the other day and they said, damn near he's 280 pounds. Right. A team is going to view that as a blocker. You know, they're not going to be like, yeah, we need to get this guy out and run a ton of routes. So that is a little scary because there's a lot of other guys that aren't going to even be thought of as blockers. And that's probably what you want in fantasy. So, right. Right. Okay. Uh, so continuing on here, I think I'm going to go. I think he's going to, like I said, I think he's going to be third round, maybe I think pretty sure fourth round, but maybe a third round pick. And I'm going to go with Stetson Bennett here. I think he's going to be one of those guys that you don't mind holding on to. If, if like you said, if Joe Burrow gets hurt and, and he gets drafted by the Bengals, like Bennett could come in and I don't want to say do uh, do what Purdy's doing right now, but you know it's it, he's not going to be that bad. So like a Bailey Zappy type, you know he can come in, he can be competent and and run the offense. So I think having a a guy like that, even though he's going to get you a zero here in best ball unless he's playing, I think he's worth it to have it. You don't have to fight for him on waiver wires and spend all your fab on him. So why Tanner McKee over Stetson Bennett? Is that just simply Tanner McKee could be viewed as a starter by teams? I think so, and he gets higher draft capital. I don't think Stetson Bennett, he might be like a third-round pick, but I think he's probably more of a day three, first first pick in the fourth round kind of player. All right, so if I told you I have a receiver that I think is going to go in round three, would that interest you? Yeah, and I think I know who it is, but he's more of a 2-2 Atwell type. I was going to say, but then if I told you his comps might be 2-2 Atwell and Calvin Austin, does that excite you? No, not really, but I mean, in best ball, would this be the format to have him? Exactly, yep. So, Nathaniel Dell, wide receiver from Houston, I believe. Oh, that wasn't even the one I was thinking of. Not You weren't thinking Nathaniel Dell. Okay, he's 167 pounds, which makes 2-2 Atwell and Calvin Austin, uh, I believe, look small. So, maybe... this one that was a guy I was thinking of, and Miles will just take him. Same, same build, same everything. I know where you're uh, going. Yeah, and Dane Brugler had him in the second round of his draft. He's 5'11", 177, and that's Tyler Scott from Cincinnati. Rocket, I did hear that the other day when listening to that. Uh, yep, and Dane keeps and- talking him up, and, and I, if there's a uh, – a draft guy that I trust the most that I have followed for years and years now. And it's Dane Brugler. If he's saying this guy has a really good shot, especially with his speed, the way teams covet speed, he's definitely going in the top three rounds and wouldn't be shocked if he's a second rounder. Yeah. I mean, that that's, that's going to be honestly, he probably should have went high. If he goes in the second round, he's going, he's going at least in the third round on this draft. Yeah. I mean, I think he probably well, I don't know. I don't know if he gets drafted higher than Nathaniel Dell. We'll see. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's possible. But, I mean, Wandale Robinson went at pick 41, 42 last year. So, I mean, he's not that big. So, I think Tyler Scott and Dell, both of them can go up to, up in the second round and because of their speed. All right, so I'm going to go next. I'm going to take another receiver. This is a guy, for some reason... I like everything about him except for the fact I believe he's 24 years old, which I just absolutely fucking hate. 
for a lineup league, I would never draft him. I won't even pick him up off waivers. But I think for best ball, there's a chance that he's he's not going to be unathletic either. He's very athletic and productive in college. So I, I don't want to keep saying, uh, you know, we always take like the best of both worlds and apply it to a player and say that could be the comp. But like an athletic version of like Hunter Renfro, like mm-hmm. a mix between Hunter Renfro and Cl- Christian Kirk, you would take that for best ball. So I'm going to project that on Charlie Jones. Okay. So Charlie Jones, wide receiver for Purdue at the three or no four Oh seven. So we have seven picks left, four picks for you, three picks for me. So let's close it out. Yeah. So another wide receiver that I've heard could get some um, draft capital that I think I'm going to take here is Dontavian Wicks from West or from Virginia. Uh, I think he could be another guy that could uh, get some draft capital. So I'm going to go with him here. All right, Dontavian Wicks is locked in. All right, so now it gets to the point where I'm probably done taking wide receivers. There's a few others that could get good draft capital, meaning like get drafted round four, round five-ish. Right. Uh, But I'm not going to go there. I'm going to stick to my guns kind of like I would with a a lineup league, Uh, and I'm going to go back to the running backs just because I think there are some other running backs that do deserve to get drafted. I don't know if best ball you're going to want them. Like these are going to be the types that are probably lucky to make rosters, right? Yeah. Uh, this is a guy I don't know why anybody hasn't talked about, but it's uh, Kendra Miller's backup from TCU. Um, Amari DiMercato. Okay. Played pretty well at the end of the year uh, when Kendra missed. Like he was the star in that Michigan game. And... I think that he's somebody that nobody's really talked about, but if you kind of look up his profile, um, probably one that will be on radars by the time we get to the end of the process. So I just wanted to make sure I took him. He's actually the first guy I believe is not in the uh, database right. on Sleeper. So we'll just take a, a placeholder and put him in there. But yeah, I'm married Di Mercado from TCU. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm going to take another running back as well. At least this guy I've heard of this year, um, played pretty well and did, and did good. So I'm going to go with Evan Hall from Northwestern. Evan Hall. Yep. I don't know a lot about Evan Hall of his physical profile. What have you heard? I, I just saw he had some good games at Northwestern this year. That's all going on right now. And he, what is a running back? Yeah. 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 <laughs> He's a running back. You can see when you get this far in, it's almost like it, that's why we prefer. Yeah, I haven't done players. my full research on these guys yet and all that. And also, um, yeah, he's just he's a bigger guy, 210. So I, I like the bigger running back. So at least I know he's big and he can at least um, make a team. Yeah, I'm going back to the big running back. Well, this is a guy that I actually recorded a segment back in summer of 2020 saying this was my sleeper for the 2021 draft. <laughs> so that's not good news that it's 2023 and we're still talking about him in college and he still hasn't come to the NFL. So I believe he's going to be, he's 23. I believe he's going to be an, one of the older running back prospects. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I listened to Matt Waldman today and he goes, this guy's pretty fucking good. And I go, Really? He's been off my radar for two years, and I actually dropped him in two Devi leagues because I go, there's no fucking chance this guy ever makes the NFL. 
So then I get bought back in on Matt Waldman that goes, yeah, he's actually pretty good. You know, like I kind of am impressed with him. And I'm sure Eric has no clue who I'm even going to talk about. Is it about. Uh, the top one on the running back list there? No, it is Sir Roderick Thompson from okay. Texas Tech. And I believe another one that is not in the database. So I will take yeah, he's a, not. a placeholder and go with we'll go with that placeholder right there but yeah sir roderick thompson from texas tech big running back was one of those guys that literally started for like four plus years and was never like great but it was always very good so who knows kind of reminds me of like a malik davis type i thought you were talking about maybe this tavian thomas who's 238 that guy's a fucking tank if he's 238 nope wasn't that sir roderick thompson texas tech all right uh, so I have two picks left, and I'm going to uh, go with one of my guys that I really like. And then this uh, this one I'm going to take right now. This is just a shout-out to uh, Dynasty Barry. Dynasty Barry's been all over this guy f- the, this whole year. Um, every mock draft he took him, uh, loves this guy. He grades out super high in uh, Dynasty Barry's rankings and all that. So I'm going to take Jaden Reed, wide receiver, Michigan State. Yeah, Jaden Reed, uh, I can see why Barry likes him because he had really, really early production. But then, Are you going to take your boy that was just right above him that you, you've you loved like two years ago or three years ago? Who are you talking about? Jonathan Mingo. No, I'm not taking Jonathan Mingo. You loved him like three years ago or two years ago. I wouldn't say love him. After his second year at Ole Miss, I was like, okay, he could be like the junior receiver that emerges that was right after you know elijah moore came in you know what i mean i thought there would be that right. that train of who's the next old miss pipeline receiver and that was not good logic but you know that that's why we are fantasy players and not talent evaluators right now there's like six guys actually i would take that i kind of want to talk about um but we only we don't have a lot of picks so maybe i'll just save that for we can do like a best of the rest if there's any other names we want to mention I'm going to go with another running back because I'm going to keep taking these running backs. They're not going to be listed in here, but I'm just going to keep taking them. It's going to be Kalen LeBourne from UAB. Just look him up. Big dude was a bell cow last year, was at Florida State, got kicked off the team, talked about him a little bit with uh, Matt Bruning in the Heisman chat the other day. Like He was really good for Marshall last year, and it was Marshall, not UAB. He was really good at Marshall, and he's a – I mean, he was like a five-star recruit that was at Florida state and got kicked off. So, I mean, he's one of these guys where it's like, you have no, he's almost just been dismissed because he got dismissed from his college program, you know, but you never know if he shows up and people are like, wow, maybe this guy can play. Maybe he's worth a draft pick. So I'll just go there. That's it. I'm done. Yep. And this is my last pick. I am going to take um, who I think is going to be the best senior bowl quarterback. And I think off of that, he gets some hype. Um, from that this year, and maybe he gets himself drafted in round three, round four, kind of like where Stetson Bennett was at. And that's Jaron Hall from BYU. That's a guy I always took in the mocks. I really like his game. Um, really good passer, definitely athletic a little bit, can move. Um, so he can do the rushing. It's not like he's like a Lamar Jackson type or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I've seen him have some good games. I, I like his game, the way he plays. Um, and I think he has a shot to be the best senior bowl quarterback since there's not a lot of uh, talent at the senior bowl at the quarterback position. But I think he can at least be 
uh, the best one and shine. So I'm going to go with uh, Jaron Hall to wrap us up. I like it. I like it. I'll recap real quick round three and round four. Then we'll talk briefly about players that didn't get drafted. If there's anyone you want to mention. 301, Tank Bigsby, then Hendon Hooker, Eric Gray, Dwayne McBride, Tajay Spears, Chris Rodriguez, Deuce Vaughn, Tucker Kraft, Mo Ibrahim, Rakeem Jarrett, Parker Washington, Puka Nakua, Cameron Peoples, Andre Ayasovas. And then we went Xavier Hutchinson, Tanner McKee, Darnell Washington, Stetson Bennett, Nathaniel Dell, Tyler Scott, Charlie Jones, Dontavian Wicks. Uh, placeholder, I believe that placeholder I picked was, I can't even remember who I picked at the the 409. Um, it, was it was the guy that you said you talked about like two years ago, I think. No, well, I took Sir Roderick Thompson at the 409. Oh, uh, no, this is the, this is the TCU backup. That's right. Amari Di Mercado, then Evan Hall, then Sir Roderick Thompson, then Jaden Reed. Then the last one was, um, I just picked him. The it Marshall was, guy. Marshall guy, Kalen LeBorn, and then Jaron Hall. And a big fuck you to Sleeper for not having all the rookies in there. Thank you. Makes it more complicated for us to actually have to do this exercise. They have most of them, but there's no reason to have some of the ones that they have in here and then not have some of these other guys. So, again, thank right. you, Sleeper. Uh, but that's the draft. We went pretty deep. Uh, I don't know how exactly this is going to go when we actually see all the draftable players. Some of these guys are going to be completely gone. There's going to be new names that jump in here. Uh, anyone you wanted to mention that like you had on your list that you're like, yeah, let me just throw the name out there. Um, yeah. I mean like Jake Hayner and Max Duggan are like two of the quarterbacks that people actually know the names of. Um, they're probably like round five or six guys. Duggan might not even get drafted. I'm not like the biggest Duggan fan. Um, but he's a gamer type. He's like a Sam Ellinger, probably better, better version of Sam Ellinger. So, you know, Duggan's going to get drafted like sixth, seventh round and be someone's, you know, QB three on a roster. So, uh, those are the two quarterbacks there. Um, running backs, Lou Nichols. I keep seeing him drafted in our mocks. Um, so I don't know what happened to him. I, I seen he kind of fell off there towards the end. That was just a name that I remember. Um, this CJ Johnson, six two two twenty two from East Carolina. We didn't draft. That's a pretty big guy. Trey Palmer from Nebraska. Uh, like I, I mentioned Mingo tight ends. I don't know much about the tight ends outside like the, the main five that we've, we drafted. Uh, but there's Will Mallory. I really like from Miami. I'm not sure on the other tight ends yet. Um, I know Zach Koontz from Old Dominion. He was one of the guys in the, the C2C league. Like, if you had him, he was like a cheat code. He was just like a really big monster tight end who, um, I don't want to say monster, but he is 6'8". Uh, but he was a really good receiving threat at Old Dominion. Um, so he could be a, a guy that maybe we'll see how the uh, RAS score comes out for him. But, yeah, that's it for me. How about you? Uh, well, tight ends, I know with um, with Mike in our draft, uh, Sam Laporta will get drafted. Uh, oh, yeah, tight end from Iowa. He's, That's not, he's not even in the list. I forgot about him. Yeah, he's not. But he will get drafted. He'll probably have like pretty good draft capital too. So he'll definitely get drafted. Cam Latu from Alabama. He'll probably be a guy that people take right. just because he's an Alabama tight end that will get pretty good draft capital. There's a couple other tight ends. I mean, this could be one of those tight end classes where again, like what we do with tight ends is we pretty much just look at the combine numbers. I just line up the athletic scores and the RAS scores. 
and then I just make my list. I really don't give a shit where tight ends get drafted outside of the first couple rounds. If you have a really good RAS score, you can be around three pick or around seven pick. I'm going to treat you the same. So it's really just, you, I got to get that data before I start talking about too many other tight ends. A couple other receivers that I have seen drafted. Uh, A.T. Perry is one um, that I've seen people talk about just a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. I, he def, I definitely would have took him. Um, I yeah, just didn't realize he wasn't in the system. Yep, they'll get drafted. Um, Elijah Higgins from Stanford. I actually mentioned them him to Ray a couple months ago. That That's one that nobody's talked about because he played on such a shareable team. Uh, but mm-hmm. that's one that um, I think could go in day three. That's going to be a receiver that's a little different than some of the other guys. He's not one of these guys like, um, like uh, you know, Dontavian Wicks or like Tyler Scott or Nathaniel Dell. Like he's huge. Right, right. Uh, probably more like a tight end than he probably is a receiver. Uh, but that's a guy that'll definitely get drafted. And then running backs. I mean, like we picked the shit out of the running backs. I mean, how many running backs did we end up taking? At least 25, if not more. Um, we took a ton of running backs, but there's a few others like Travis Dye got some hype during the season until he got injured. Uh, is one we that took could get 23 picked. running backs total. 23 is that, that count your uh, count your place orders? Yeah, okay, okay, 23. So 23 out of 48 picks were or, uh, 56 picks were running backs, and then uh, Xavier Valaday is another one that oh, could yeah, get yeah. drafted. Um, those two definitely stuck out at running backs, and then at quarterbacks, I think you. We kind of picked the quarterbacks clean. We picked. Like, yeah, the only one that's not listed on there was Malik Cunningham, and I don't like him very much. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. We we probably gave you a good seventy names or so in this show. So start doing your own research and uh, be yep. ready to smash the late picks of the draft. So hopefully everything goes to to shit and there's chaos and nobody can take <laughs> this Royal Rumble draft to use it against us because I have a shit ton of third and fourth round picks. So don't fucking snipe me. And I have zero picks, so they won't be sniping me at all. <laughs> so Eric really just is basically just sandbagging this and making picks so he hopes everyone else screws shit up, right? No, I, I did it BPA I of who I would have took the whole time. So, But uh, uh, no, you ready to do uh, America's Favorite Game and then we'll get out of here? It's been a marathon, bro, but yeah, let's hit America's Favorite Game. This one might be quick for you because I don't even know if you have an answer for it, but... Um, while people are listening to this on Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, do you know what happened? It was happening Saturday evening, Saturday evening. Uh, I know what's happening the, for me on sport, Saturday evening in the sports world. Do you know what's happening? On Absolutely. 8 30 PM fucking prime time on ESPN. It is the Kansas Jayhawks at the Kentucky Wildcats. That's what I will be doing on Saturday night. That's okay, not what so... you were talking about though. Was it? No, this is primetime on Peacock streaming live. Okay. The WWE Royal Rumble Saturday night. Okay. Okay. What? I don't even know. I I don't I want to ask you what your favorite Royal Rumble memory is, but I bet you don't even have one. So I... if you don't have if you don't have one, you can just tell me who is your, who's your favorite wrestler. I have some Royal Rumble memories. The problem is, because I used to be a big wrestling fan, Eric. I have a lot of Royal Rumble memories. The problem is trying to figure out which ones are which and which ones didn't didn't blend together. Okay. I remember, I think the last Royal Rumble I bought and actually paid for and watched live was the Royal Rumble where, was it, I want to say, did The Rock win a Royal Rumble? 
I'm sure he did. Uh, I don't have it off the top of my head. Uh, I'm, it, I'm pretty sure I just, he did. I remember it was one where I thought there was no way he would end up winning, and he won. And there was some controversy with whether his feet hit the ground or something. That was um, like that. that was John Cena and Batista. I don't think it was that. It was something different. I well, remember they, it they had rock. one. They had they the John Cena and Batista one is is definitely a memorable one. They weren't supposed to. They hit at the same time, but they weren't supposed to. And that's when Vince McMahon ran down and tore his quad sliding into the ring. And then he I've tried, seen that he, highlight. Yes. Yes. That's what that that's that one. Um, I'll try. I'll pull up a Royal Rumble winners list. I'm sure. I'm sure the Rock won. I, I, I don't. I honestly don't really. Yeah, the have Rock it. in 2000 won one at the Madison Square Garden. So that might be the one you're. And what? Who? Who was the last person? Was Was the Big Show in it? Um, he's on the poster, so I'm assuming so. Yes, I I, uh, I want to. I feel like it came down to the Rock, the Big Show, and somebody else. I can't remember it. It's been so long, but that's the last one I believe I actually paid for and watched. Yeah, I'm and looking say, for. It. Yeah, it was it was the Big Show and the Rock were the final two, and um, the Rock uh, pulled Big Show over the rope. Okay, that. There you go. My memory's not as bad as I thought. Twenty-three friggin' years ago. That's my favorite yep. Royal Rumble memory because it's the last one I actually. And this remember. was also um, a very famous match that I just listened to today. Was a big brutal street fight between Triple H and Cactus Jack. Okay. So that okay. was another one uh, that was in there. Um, let's see. My favorite Royal Rumble memory, though. Let's Eric's see. brain has a million of them. Yeah. So obviously, like the '98 Stone Cold one where he won, the 1999 one where uh, Mr. McMahon won. That was a very famous one for me. 2002 um, was when Triple H tore his quad and he made his comeback at the Royal Rumble, went on and won it, and then won the the championship at the WrestleMania that year as well. Uh, the Chris Benoit Royal Rumble. I know that's a name that people don't love to hear, um, but his Royal Rumble win was huge, and then he went on to face um, Triple H and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania to win the title. So that was a big one. Rey Mysterio's big win in 2006 after Eddie Guerrero passed away. Mysterio uh, won the Rumble um, from the two spot and went on to um, win the uh, title as well. Uh, obviously, the John John Cena came back in 2008. He had a torn pec, came back uh, after four months, um, and was a surprise, and he won it. Um, man, there's just so many good ones on here. Um, obviously, now nowadays they do a men's and a women's Royal Rumble, so they they've been doing the, the women's ones too that have been pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's probably my favorite one. It's probably one of the Stone Cold ones because uh, Stone Cold was my favorite. Um, there's been some really good matches just at the Royal Rumble, too. Um, I, I mentioned the Cactus Jack Triple H uh, Street Fight one. There was also the year before that. It was Mankind versus The Rock um, for the title, and that was the I Quit match. And uh, The Rock handcuffed Foley's um, hands behind his back and just beat the fucking piss out of him with chair shots. Like, 20 chair shots to the head, just full bore, full smacks to the head, man. And with concussions and stuff that we know today, man, that would never happen today. Uh, but that's definitely one of the big memories that come out in my head that I remember. Fair. Good stuff. Good do, you stuff. Have a, do you have a prediction for who's going to win the Royal Rumble on Saturday night? 
I have no clue. Um, I I don't even have a prediction on the Kentucky Kansas game, but again, that's what I'll be watching. And so you can fill me in later on who won, and uh, we can fill the listeners in on who wins the Royal Rumble League, the Heisman Royal Rumble League with Destination Devi. That's what today's mock draft was based on. So hopefully everybody enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, it was a good exercise. So go ahead and close us out, Eric. Yeah, so glad you guys listened. If you listened this far, hope you guys enjoyed the mock. I'm sure we're going to do more mocks um, throughout the season, probably like once a month, I would guess. We'd probably do some more mocks for you guys. If there are certain mocks you want to hear us um, do, make sure you guys um, just tweet at us, and and we'll be more than happy to uh, accommodate what you guys want to hear as well. Um, One big thing I do want to mention before we do sign off, uh, me and Scott have – uh, about eight leagues we commish together. We do have three orphan leagues that um, still need to be filled. One has um, slight Devi to it. Uh, it's a pretty solid team. has a lot of draft picks, so I think that's a team that somebody would be interested in. Um, Scott said he had somebody, but he hasn't gotten back to us yet. And then um, our, two of our other leagues are uh, have IDPs in it. So if you're an IDP player, full IDPs, you start uh, multiple IDPs, uh, you know, full 11 i think one of them start 15 idps another one is start 11 idps so if you're interested in some idp leagues um we have two orphans that are available for that as well uh could really use some people for that league so if you are interested in some idps we have that all of these leagues are on mfl they are not on sleeper um we haven't converted any of our leagues over to sleeper nor will we probably anytime soon So just want to keep that in mind. We might have some startups uh, for the USFFL best balls that we're going to do here, probably after the Super Bowl. Um, We're not going to do any time soon, but I think probably after the Super Bowl, we can probably start up some more. We did um, have quite a few people that reached out that want to get in some USFL best ball leagues that we've talked about before. Um, I do have a video I could share with you guys um, about the format and stuff like that. So if you are interested, uh, keep sending us DMs on Twitter. Um, That helps us. You know, either to my personal account, Scott's personal account, or the show account. Um, I check the show account um, as well. So, and if you guys want to uh, get in some leagues with me, Scott, Ray, and some of the other um, Heisman tier members, a um, bunch of those guys are in those leagues. So join us. Yeah, and don't and then, count on any new sleeper leagues with Eric running the show. So just if you love sleeper yeah. and you want sleeper, you either bombard Eric, and we need. 10 other people that want to play in a sleeper league and maybe Eric will be gracious enough to commission it. But otherwise, uh, good luck converting any of the MFL leagues to sleeper as long as Eric's yeah. making decisions. So you that's all do, I would say. If you guys want to do uh, some dynasty Yahoo leagues, I'm down. I used to do those. Remember those? Yeah. Yeah. I have to like hand track everything. <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah, I am at Eric Vanek NFL on Twitter, and you can follow the show's account at America's Game Pod as well. Make sure you guys check out the newsletter. Check out all the other podcasts on the Destination Devi Network. Lots of good content there. Um, obviously, with rookie season rolling around, this is the time to join in the Destination Devi. Uh, Ray has done, I think, five or six um, film breakdowns for rookie running backs that are coming in so far. Obviously, he's going to do more than just running backs. Um, but right now he's just pounding the running backs, doing the all 22 tape. Um, he has some game tape, uh, live TV tape on these guys too that he's done. Um, and Ray is incredible at breaking down the film for you in easy to learn, 
Uh, you can see it. He replays it for you, uh, goes over it. Ray does an incredible job at these film reviews, and it helps you a lot um, learning some of these rookies, especially like some of these guys that you might not know of. They're not the mainstream names. So you get ahead of it. So make sure you guys join the um, All Gas Patreon. It's all patreon.com slash all gas. Join that. Ray does incredible work over there. You join the community. Join up with everybody in there. Lots of good stuff in there. So I definitely recommend it. Um, you guys got your tax returns coming, like Ray says. You got your damn tax returns coming. Spend some money on Ray, J- Ray GQ and the, and the Patreon. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I have to agree with everything that you said. You can find me at Charles Chill FFB on Twitter. Uh, TBA on what Destination Dynasty is going to be this week. Um, I will record a show. Probably we'll be talking a little more. Uh, kind of about the thresholds like I talked last week with the receiver, but we'll maybe look at some different positions. But yeah, hopefully everybody enjoyed this exercise, almost two and a half hours long. Uh, There'll be more like it. We'll probably do another one like this as we get more information on the prospects, probably after the combine, so we have more data points to go on. Uh, But yeah, we'll go ahead and sign off. As Eric said, the the newsletter is um, allgas.beehive.com slash subscribe. And uh, check out all the other content on the Destination Debbie feed. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.